This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. I'm glad that you've chosen to be with us this morning. I'm having one of those days. Yesterday, I had a very, very good day. Started off average day, and then it just got better and better and better. And by the time we'd opened the, uh, the Prosecco and had my prawn cocktail, we were kind of swinging from the chandeliers. Anyway, it's Friday. That's the good news. The second bit of good news is I'm with you till 6.30, whether you like it or not. Uh, haggling. I can't haggle. I must be the world's worst haggler. I can't start negotiating on it. I'm just rubbish at doing things like that. The winning ticket, worth £33 million, whatever it is, bought in Worcester. In Worcester. So if you live in Worcester, you have checked down the back of the settee, you have checked the car, you check your handbag. You know, somebody's going to find it and go, oh, £33 million. I hope it's you, and then you can share it with me. Also, um, miracle as some uh, little boy chokes on a toy brick. But luckily, because of the hole in it, that makes it a lot easier, so he doesn't choke. Corsets are back in. Whee! A friend of mine used to have to wear a corset, but he had a bad back. And um, feeling blue, do not blame it on winter. I know you've just heard on the news that there's going to be, you know, cold here, and all we've got in London is rain. Rain tomorrow. Apparently we're going to get deluged by it, but we've had rain before. We're not particularly bothered by it. I've experienced it. You buy a thing called an umbrella and you take the umbrella out and you push it up and then you hold it over your head and it keeps you dry. Or failing that, if you're too mean to buy an umbrella, you just buy a packamac and stick it over your head and uh, that way you'll get through it. But apparently winter's finished. They've now said that the temperature is going to start rising. And I thought, that's good, because I'm looking at pictures of, of Moscow. My God, it's all going on over there, isn't it? You know, are these people, members of the KGB, did Putin all the, authorise the fact that they could put this stuff into this teapot? And he drank it, and then slowly, and they've trailed him. You can trail somebody with this stuff. You can trail, they trailed him all over London. They knew exactly where he'd been. And you think to yourself, and they're prepared to do that. But I'm old enough to remember when there was a man, Georgi Markov, who was stabbed on Waterloo Bridge with an umbrella that had a needle in the end of it. They must be, de- be developing all sorts of stuff in the Kremlin. But would they have to get Putin's approval? I don't know. I've got no idea. I just think, I find it unbelievable in this day and age, and you probably do as well, that here we are in the year 2016, and we're still doing things as if it's James Bond. We're st- you know, there are still spies, spies who live in this country. The two people who uh, we've, we've accused of the murder of Litvinenko apparently are in Russia as free men. But they might have been spies. I don't know. I just found it, thought it was fairly odd that they seemed to be in the same hotel that he was in. That was slightly peculiar. Uh, Putin, they're now saying, Cameron is saying, they might freeze his assets. Apparently Putin's managed to spirit out loads of money. You know, that's what they do. The the Russians come over here and they start buying things up. And in this particular case, now you've got uh, Litvinenko's son, who was, I think, was 12 at the time. He's now about 22. And he just wants answers. He just wants answers to why his father started off with hair. And then gradually, we're all used to that image of seeing Litvinenko. And we go, oh, right, so he didn't like Putin. And so they made him drink this stuff. They didn't make him drink anything. He drank it. It was in the tea. They obviously got it into the teapot and and then he drank it, and then slowly, he's he's dying. I mean, that must that must be the worst thing ever. I can't think of anything worse than that. But the, worse for me is the fact that you know two people who they claim perpetrated the crime are walking about free in Russia. They couldn't give a flying forex, could they? They're not remotely bothered by things like that. They just don't care. They're not they're not worried. It's just somebody to take out of the equation. But uh, they happen here. They happen here. Somebody was saying to me, how easy is it to kill somebody on the streets of London? I said, easy peasy. 
They managed to do it, you know, with an umbrella. I think it was a walking stick. It might have been an umbrella or a walking stick, which had this pin in the end, and they just stabbed somebody's leg. They sort of bumped into him. It's all, I mean, it's, it's the stuff of spy books, but it's true. It actually happens. We saw Litvinenko dying before our very eyes. First of all, his hair falls out. It was only a small amount. It doesn't need to be very much at all. And that's what's kind of worrying about it. So we come around to that a little bit later on. Um, there's also the, uh, the whiz kid. She's a student. And to pay her student fees, she's entered every competition known to man. And she enters them on a regular basis. So far, she's got £14,000, so she's done very, very well indeed. The Buddhist monk claims to be a Buddhist monk, but uh, slightly odd. He goes round because he trod on an insect. He lives in a forest, so he's... And you only have to look at him to realise he's not probably all there in the upstairs department. He lives in a forest. He trod on an insect. I would have thought that was an occupational, everyday hazard. And so, in an effort to remonstrate with himself, he went round and slashed God knows how many car tyres, hundreds of car tyres he slashed. And you think to yourself, he's not a Buddhist monk at all. He's not following any teachings. They don't say if you tread on an insect, you're going to go round and slash tyres. They've sent him to prison for eight weeks. I would have thought, actually, get him some mental health care. That's what he needs. He needs, you know, obviously he's got some psychotic sort of problems. Uh, they're also saying, I think it's in the... Is it the sun this morning? Let me have a quick look. Yeah, the sun. They say that the BBC hid the DJ's sex with a girl of 15. The, the thing about the BBC is, and I've realised this, because do you remember, and this is the second time I've said this and I'm still not getting answers, I thought Tim Wanicott, who's the sort of rather sort of poncy dressing antiquey bloke on the television who has the dicky bows and the monocle sometimes and the sort of silly clothes and all the rest of it, he was suspended from a programme because of alleged bullying. And they said, that's it, and all the rest. Well, every time I turn on the television, there's Tim Wanacott again. Is this, I mean, is there some different subculture going on at the BBC where they know what's going on, but they've closed their eyes to it? I mean, everybody knew, didn't they, about Jeremy Clarkson, that he could be a bit bombastic. You know, then the moment it blows up in their face, their media's like, oh, well, that's it, uh, get, get rid of him, get, get, get somebody else in to do the programme. You know, and now in the case of... Jimmy Savile, I mean, loads of people must have known what he was up to. Loads of people. You know, heavens above, he was hardly discreet with it. He used to groom these girls. He would, and, and the way he did it, he would sort of take them along to watch him recording shows and then take them back to his caravan. And he tried on with apparently everybody. Everybody was, it was tried on with. And somebody must have known... I don't believe this garbage that they come up with, that they say, no, we didn't really know it was, you know, different times. The hell it was. The hell it was. They must have known. Listen, they were doing jokes about Jimmy Savile years and years and years ago, you know, when he was sort of still a, a big name. Now, they say, one of their top DJs. And uh, now, whether or not this is this is the same, you know, whether or not this is Savile as the top DJ, but I should imagine this went on all over the place. And they've sort of done it as if it's sort of some big surprise. The people who are in the public eye, and for that read pop stars, for that read um, DJ, radio presenters, television presenters, everything, you attract people. You can't help it. It's the nature of the business. People, you know, if they see you on television, they like the way you look. I should imagine old Pip Schofield, even in his old age, and he is getting on a bit now, probably has his fans who write to him on a regular basis, going, like the outfit you're wearing today, Pip, and all that kind of stuff. And Holly would have her fans, or we call them stalkers now. And, and, and so people just have to get used to it. In the case of Jimmy Savile, he was surrounded by girls who all lived around the Shepherd's Bush area. Most of them did, because that's where the studios were. And they went along to have a bit of fun in 1976, little realising that pervy old DJ was about to seduce them. 
And then it comes as a big surprise, doesn't it? Oh, good heavens above, go the BBC. You know, almost as if they've stuck their neck in the sand. They've got no idea what's going on. Of course, of course they know. And in fact, uh, one of the girls here says, of course the BBC knew what he was doing. Uh, in my case, it's on video. Because, you know, that's what Jimmy suffered. And nobody did a thing. Everybody gets followed. You go to any gig, you know, by group, you'll see girls there who, the very idea... You imagine at a One Direction gig, and one of the girls gets singled out, and they go, you... Would you like to come backstage and meet Harry Styles? <laughs> yeah, thank you. And off they go, blindly. You know, that's what people do. It's called hero worship. It was no different for Jimmy Savile. He was on the television all the time. He had the right connections. He was in with the royal family. The royal family loved him, kind of distanced themselves now. But at the time, he was a firm favourite, pictured with the Queen Mother. He did, the, you know, and they do it now, don't they? They do it now. They associate, Look at Prince Andrew associates himself with all the wrong people. Known paedophile he's been hanging around with. And you think to yourself, why don't these people get advice? Why can somebody not say to them, listen, this would not be the best person to hang around with, Andrew. You know, unless you really want to be seen as the biggest prat under the sun. Don't do it. Don't do it. So there's that one. The, oh, I found the number of cars that were slashed by the monk. 160. He's slashed 160 tyres. He's, he's quite clearly barking mad because he trod on an insect. And so to, to make ends meet with whatever's going on in between his head, he thought that slashing the tyres on 160 cars would do it. Where he gets that information from, I've got no idea. And then you've got um, Holly Willabooby and Pip Schofield. They went out very unprofessional, very unprofessional, if, uh, if indeed they were really that pie-eyed. And they played games. They did. It went back to Anton Deck's house. But, of course, Anton Deck didn't have to get up for work in the morning. They did. They said they had no sleep, uh, which, of course, is not strictly true. They might have had maybe an hour or two hours. And then they turn up in the same clothes. And then later on, they find them new clothes because they've obviously got wardrobes of stuff down there for this morning. And yet the only thing I'm thinking is they must have stank to high heaven. Where were their toothbrushes? Where were their toothpaste? Did they keep the same underwear on? Of course they did. Of course they did, unless she takes spare knickers in her handbag and he takes a spare pair of pants, but I think it's highly unlikely. The other news which you won't be willing to hear today, I'm terribly sorry, is that Eamon Holmes, yes, the large one, still only 55. I find that unbelievable. I'm not sure whether that's waist size or age. Difficult to sell until we cut him in half and count the rings. But he said that when he has his hip replacement, uh, he won't be having sex for a while. It was at that moment I felt a bit bilious, thinking, well, I, try, I tried not to think about it, of, uh, of Heyman Holmes talking about the fact he's still having sex at 55, yet lives at number 24, which is very interesting. Anyway, coming as well on the programme this morning, and it's an old gag, we'll have uh, two clips for you, two clips from uh, my special guests this week, and that's Shane Ritchie and Jesse Wallace, and, uh, and another guest as well, who's going to be with us this weekend for In Conversation, which everybody got very excited about. Today. I mean, seriously, people got very excited about it, especially the ladies in the office. What's he like? Does he look as fit in real life? Is he buff? Is he nice? What's he, is he really gorgeous? And I'll tell you about him a little bit later on. I, mean, I thought they were talking about me, but obviously that wasn't the case. And we take all your texts and emails and we tell you about one of the world's most wanted fugitives, a murderer is happily working in this country at a branch of Subway. Yes, fantastic. Looking for him for ages. And here he is with a different name change. He moved around eight years ago, changed his name. He's, uh, he's a contract killer. And uh, there he was, making your sandwiches in Subway. <sighs> Isn't it marvellous? The system we have in this country. You can come in here, come one, come all. Murderers, paedophiles, rapists. And then the latest twist is that they all declare they're gay, so they can't be sent home because they, they have the, uh, the right 
to a proper existence without being murdered or hanged. Of course, most of them are lying, but uh, it's a good wheeze, isn't it? It keeps them going. Uh, plus the school nurse who called one lady's anorexia, now her son, at four years old, is called Fat. It's just getting... Oh! And a, and a, and a, a thing in a window of a shop of washing machines and a woman in a bikini has caused outrage in Brighton by a student. The students complained uh, about the sexist way it portrays women, which surprises me, because I've never met a student in Brighton who wasn't off their face on drugs or drink. So why they'd be complaining about a woman, a very, you know, in a bikini, looking very lovely, and then a slogan. I'll tell you about it later. But you start thinking to yourself, don't these people need to go and get a life? Or are they really that sad? Quarter past four. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Friday. You can you know, feel feel suitably enabled to go whoopee and get excited for the weekend. Carol McGiffin's leaving her flat that she's had for 17 years, uh, seven of them, uh, with Mark in the flat, and they're moving somewhere else. I don't know where they're going. I have no idea. But uh, she certainly had some parties there. That's a fact. Carol McGiffin, the girl who does know how to party. And, you know, yesterday we were, we were talking um, about mushy peas and uh, fish and chips and everything else. And I had fish uh, last night. I'll tell you what was really odd, though, because I'm sort of going back through the uh, the tweets of yesterday. Now, bearing in mind, this programme starts at four for the ow spike and runs through to 6.30. And so this programme catches the people who are just being seen off to bed by matron, mainly to be locked up, I should imagine. And, uh, and then the people who are waking up to go to work in the morning because London is a 24-hour city because we are 24 hours. You can do anything in London, 24 hours a day. You can eat, sleep, disco, drink, do whatever you want to do. And pick up loose women if you want. Not that I think that Colleen Nolan's going to be out on the tiles at this time of the morning. But anyway, she might be. Who knows? And um, and I was thinking to myself, so we did we did food yesterday. We did sweets and food and comfort food. and uh, And then my friend Lenny... At Waterloo Station, who I've not seen for a while, he um, he said you never mentioned brown derbies for the uh, for the for the ice cream thing, the donut, you know, with the ice, the swirl of the and, and the che- and lovely. And I said we did at the end of the program. He said, oh, I I I sort of moved away by that time, poor soul. And uh, and we also forgot to mention, but I did weave it into the program, banana splits. Well, you had a special dish, you know, with the the cut of banana in half. Bit of a rarity, isn't it, for us to eat banana splits? You go there. Making my mouth water again. And um, and they, they cut the banana in half, one side of this dish and the other side of the other side of the dish, and ice cream in the middle and then chocolate sauce over the top and crushed nuts if you're really unlucky. And uh, generally speaking, that was considered quite... That was a nice sort of dessert to have. So we talked about that and we talked about mushy peas and I went, ugh, not, not mushy peas, please. I can't bear the idea of mushy peas. And then loads of people writing in. My friend Jonathan wrote in and said he loves mushy peas and I'm thinking, ugh, can't bear them. Is it just peas that they mash up and then they're called mushy peas, or are the special peas called mushy peas for some... I don't know. I don't know how it worked. And then, lo and behold, lo and behold, on this morning, Phil Vickery does haddocken chips, big chips, and mushy peas. Now, do you think he was already going to do that? Or do you think, listening to the programme, he thought, mushy peas, let's do mushy peas? Because I should imagine Fernan and uh, and Phil, sorry, Fern and Phil, Holly and Phil, sorry about that, uh, would would probably do mushy peas. I would have thought she probably adores mushy peas, and I would have think he, he probably eats them as well. But isn't it just funny, because I was looking at it thinking, he's doing, fi- we talked about fish and chips this morning, and here he is doing haddock and chips, which I bought yesterday. I bought haddock too, without even knowing that that's what he'd done on the programme, because I had uh, interviews for In Conversation to do yesterday, and we had a really nice time. 
We had a really nice time. Uh, West End actress and uh, award winner. She's got shelves groaning with awards. Janie D is going into the Vaudeville Theatre with Neil Pearson. Do you remember Neil Pearson? Um, and we were trying to get him as well. He wasn't available, so we uh, we ended up with the lovely Janie, who said to me, the first thing she said to me was, yesterday she said, I've always wanted to meet you. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I always apologise to people, because they might be disappointed. But then at the end of the interview, it's a very deep interview, because it's a very deep piece she's doing. It's a comedy, but there's dark overtones in it. And it's got somebody from Harry Potter in there as well. So uh, so that'll be worth it. Not this not this Sunday. That'll be the following Sunday. Because this Sunday, uh, we've got the man who starred in The Office in America, who's in a really hard-hitting film at the moment, which is, uh, which is his first real sort of gritty role. I think his first, his first gritty role. So I'll tell you more about him in a moment. But all the women in The Office, seriously, they were falling over themselves to say, and, and the producer, but that's, you know, he's had his hair cut specially for the occasion, but of course he missed the interview, it was yesterday. But I did say to one of the girls in the office, she said, what was he like? I said, he was gorgeous. He's obviously a big fantasy for a load of people. And, uh, in fact, even the girls on the charity would say, what, what's he really like? And I said, he was really charming. He's buff, he looks great. Very similar to myself, I thought. There was a bit of a similar look going on, except that mine was hidden under a little bit of fat. But uh, he was quite charming, so we did that. But the day before, we'd done... Uh, Shane Ritchie and Jesse Wallace. I don't know what bit he's cut out to play you this morning, but it was it was a very, very good interview. You're really going to enjoy both interviews. I know you're going to enjoy them this Sunday. And I don't just say that because I'm trying to plug my own programme. They are both very... You know when you do an interview and at the end of it you think, I could sit here for another 30 minutes easily. Easily. I used to do a programme years ago on LBC where we would have celebrities in and we'd have alcohol... You can imagine how well that went down. It was a bit like sort of Judy Finnegan get looking forward to Friday when her and, uh, and the man used to be on the television because Friday was wine-tasting day and I think Judy was partial to a bit of the old uh, trodden grapes. And we used to do the same on the radio, uh, but we'd have food as well. Oh, it was delicious. It was a great way. It's like having a dinner party, but actually on the radio. It was, it was the best thing ever, the best thing ever. But uh, anyway, so we're, I'm going to find out later on, because he's, he's bound to text in, whether Phil Vickery thought about doing fish and chips and mushy peas after listening to this programme yesterday. Because it, it's obviously a quite a neat... But it looked lovely. <laughs> it did look lovely. And uh, I am partial to a bit, of, uh, a bit of fish and chips. Not very often. Not very often, but I, I, I am quite partial to it. And yesterday was one of those partial days. Because, as I say, I, I was in... I was floating yesterday. My mind was floating. I had so many things to think about and so many things I'm thinking, what have I got to do? And it, it, this is it's sort of something that's sort of kind of dragged on for a little while. And, uh, and then yesterday the clouds parted and a ray of sunshine came down. And, um, and, and all of a sudden I thought, right, this weekend I'm determined. I'm going out today. I'm going to buy. I'll need a new pair of shoes. I don't need... No, that's wrong to say. It makes me sound like I've got holes in my shoes or something. I don't need a new pair of shoes, but I'm going to buy a pair of shoes. And I want to buy new flannels. Because I normally buy about 20 flannels at a time, uh, because I like a good flannel. As indeed we all do, ladies and gentlemen, but that's my business. It's between me and the shower. It's got nothing to do with anybody, but I just like buying lots of different flannels. So I've got to go and buy flannels today. And then tomorrow, there's a little crowd of us going out for cocktails and then dinner. And so I'm determined this weekend. Oh, and we get paid on Monday. Will we think you can shout whoopee yet again? That's two whoopees on the programme this morning. One for it being Friday, and one for it being the weekend. And secondly because we get paid on Monday, and I bet most of you are sitting there silently breathing a prayer, thinking, thank God, because this month has dragged something chronic. And, of course, you know what happens at the end of this month, don't you? If you're self-employed, you've got to pay your tax, which I've done, been a good boy, and the other thing is you've got to pay all the bills from Christmas. 
And now you find out exactly how much you've spent. I told you before, I'm I'm a little bit too sanctimonious on this one. Little bit sanctimonious because uh, I didn't spend any money on credit cards. Nothing at all over Christmas. I was I was that I managed to manage it properly. And I spoke to my bank manager yesterday and she said, oh, you've still got some money in your current account. Because what we do, we sort of shunt it from account to account uh, so that we don't have anything too big in the account, but we've got a, we've got a holding fund for it. Makes, it. makes it sound like offshore, doesn't it? <laughs> if only I was that rich, but I'm not. And I don't live in Worcester, so I don't have £33 million. And so she said, you're all right for money. I said, oh, good, we can go mad on cocktails. So I'm not even going to drive into town tomorrow. I'm going to take the train because it's, uh, it's a lot easier just to walk over Waterloo Bridge. Sod that for soldiers. I'll be taking the bus. Don't catch me walking anywhere now. That's the whole idea of actually having a travel card, is that you can hop on and off of buses without thinking, oh, that's two quid here and three quid there. It's, it's, it's all free and it's wonderful. Somebody's pointed out, how come you never see Lady Colin Campbell and Iggy Pop in the same room? It is true, isn't it? Or failing that, Lady Colin Campbell and Stig of the Dump. You only have to sort of look at Lady Colin Campbell to realise she's so barking mad, she never was in society in any way, shape or form, unless there's a lot of other ladies who talk with a little bit of a vibrato in their voices. And that's about as far as it goes. Um, you're not alone in seeing the play-acting of Willabooby and Schofield, says Malcolm. I just thought the pictures were staged. They had a photographer there to take lots of pictures of them, as if they deliberately went, listen, why don't we do a story about we're so hungover, we did this and we did that. And so we'll both turn up in the same clothes in the studio, which, of course, is highly unprofessional and sets a very bad example. So the next time you see Pip Schofield's daughters face down in the gutter, you can't say anything about it because they've learnt it from their father. You don't go on air if you're drunk or you've got a hangover, do you? So they, they staged it with the Alka-Seltzer and all. It's just, it was staged, but they managed to get coverage in every single paper, like they're going to be told off. You know, like somebody's going, well, that's it, you two are fired, you're in breach of contract, you're drunkards, go away. No, nothing of the kind. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, another one of his very bizarre outfits, this time even more bizarre than usual. Even the papers have said that here, uh, it's not often a model gets shown up by a man who drives cars for a living, but uh, Georgia May Jagger was at Paris Fashion Week, and he turned up in... Well, I mean, I don't really know what you can say about him. I don't know what he's saying to us. Here he was in a, a, a pink silk jacket and shades with sort of... I mean, it was, it was just too camp. It was way too camp. I mean, he's a Formula One driver, for God's sake. And um, <laughs> somebody says here... The budding Formula One fashionista. No, I don't think fashionista comes into it. Prize plonker, I think. We're coming to it. A silk blues on jacket. I mean, what is going on? What is happening, dear? I mean, I'm now assuming that when you went out with old Scherzinger, you know, the one who needs to hang around with somebody high profile, I'm assuming you probably sort of mixed and matched in her wardrobe. It's the kind of outfit she'd wear. I saw a dreadful clothes shop the other day. Where was it? It was somewhere. And they had clothes for men. And I looked in the window and these were sort of, it was a similar sort of outfit. Like, who wears things like that? Who wears that kind of stuff in this day and age? I looked around this building. There's nobody around here that wears that sort of thing. There's people around here who I would call fashionistas. There are people around here who do actually dress very well. I mean, I'm not one of them. In fact, even Darren Adams said to me, he said, oh, he said, you're wearing your lumberjack shirt. I said, it's my new effort to butch up for the year 2016. I think I failed miserably. But to be honest with you, I thought it was going to be colder. And as it's a fairly thick shirt, I thought it's, you know, it seems, seems OK. But I'm just looking forward. To, so I was going to get the car washed. Now I'm not going to bother. Because if it's going to tip it down tomorrow, that's a waste of time, isn't it? Uh, but I will be getting the flannels today and having a little mooch around. Doing a little bit of shopping. Nothing particularly major. I don't need it. I've got a fridge full of stuff. I'm fairly happy. And, um, and as I say, because it's the weekend, I can be even more whoop 
whoopee-doo. And then we get paid on Monday, which is even more whoopee-whoopee-doo. But if you haven't paid your tax, make sure you do. You don't want to get the fine, do you? News time, 4.30. Morning, everybody. Uh, 25 to 5. Nick of the team. David Cameron says he'll consider new sanctions against Russia after the state-sponsored murder of a KGB spy in London. Is it time to toughen up on Vladimir Putin? Well, not toughen up on anybody else. I don't see why we should worry about that one. The Labour mayoral candidate, Sadiq Khan, pledges to give Londoners cheaper tickets for West End shows. Should it be a priority? Do you think they're getting desperate now in this race for mayor? What can we offer Londoners? You know, would you like a cheap ticket? Because anybody will tell you that it's not getting Londoners into the theatre. We have it all the time. It's the coach parties coming in. That's what keeps the theatre going. It's not the amount of Londoners who go to the theatre. I think what they've done is drawn up a list of things that are going to appeal to you. So they go, oh, if we can get you cheaper tickets to the theatre. Listen, if you get cheaper tickets to the theatre, you're going to get substandard theatre productions. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. It's not, it's not complicated. And also, you know, Londoners do go to the theatre, but because we're all terribly rich in London, we can afford it. It's the coach parties. You won't fill up the theatres every night of the week with the amount of Londoners who go. You really won't. Sort of a bit of a bugbear for me, I'm afraid. Uh, dog owners are being urged to register their pet's DNA to wipe out the problem of dog mess. Are they barking mad? And it's phone farage, your chance to put your questions to the UKIP leader. That's Nick of the team. At seven, after the morning news with Lisa Aziz, Sarah Jane Mee, the sports presenter for Sky News and Sky Sport, will be in the studio looking at the papers. Yes, I mean, all these incentives, you know, it's like before an election, isn't it? They go, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to cut your taxes. We're going to make cigarettes cheaper. Booze is going to be cheaper. Petrol's going to be cheaper. It's all the things you want to hear. It's all the things you want to hear. It'd be like me sitting here at the beginning of the programme and going, you know, for every one of you who stays two and a half hours, I'm going to send you a £10 note. You know, it's just pie in the sky. Well, it was, I wish it was a pie in the sky, actually. That'd be quite nice. Could do with some of those again, but because Richard's died, we're not going to get any more, so I just have to live on the box sets. Uh, there is a story about diabetes, at the risk of sort of boring you with diabetes, but they now say it's a lottery for life. Uh, if you have diabetes, they say here that you are um, uh, likely to die early. 24,000 people die early of diabetes every year. And as you move into those, the, sort of the, the sort of the upper end of the scale, and if you're diabetic, you kind of start panicking a little bit. I spend most of my life sort of thinking, and I've tried to ask questions before. You know that I've been used as a guinea pig by the local surgery, and they bring in junior doctors, and they sort of quiz you about your illness, and they quiz you about you know, the effects and stuff like that, because they're trying to build up a, a picture, a bigger picture of what diabetes does to people and how it affects people, what you can do, what you can't do. Um, but you are more likely to die than somebody who doesn't have diabetes. I mean, we're all going to die eventually, but I think if you're diabetic and you're overweight and uh, you don't maybe look after your health as you should be, and in some areas they don't get the best diabetic health. I'm quite lucky where I am that they do, you know, I tend to sort of crop up on the computer quite a lot. So we do monitor it. We do monitor it. We do try and, you know, look after it as best we can. Uh, Steve, uh, I went to see Billy Connolly this week. Couldn't believe the amount of people that got up to go to the loo during the show. It's because they let you drink. That's why. The only thing I ever take into a theatre now is a bottle of water. That's the only thing that I take in. I mean, it could be counted in dozens. Am I being a bit of a fuddy-duddy? No, people just want to go to the toilet. They just want to go to the toilet. And what happens is they come back from the bar, and in in a lot of theatres now, they let you drink. If you're going to see a show like Billy Connolly, I'm assuming you can drink in the seats, and that means alcohol. Whereas, you know, all I want is a very simple needs. It's, um, it's a bottle of water and some fruit gums. And that, that keeps me quite happy. Uh, Ray says, if the other half of the 66 million isn't claimed, it should surely be given to the Scottish couple. Um, no, it goes to good causes because they had two winners. 
That's how they work it. That's how they work it out. The trouble is, it's it is just a bit pie in the sky, isn't it? I mean, I'm really wanting a couple from Worcester or a single person or a homeless person or a student or somebody to come forward with this ticket and to go, um, I think I've got it. And we go, well, why didn't you come forward ages ago? You've missed out on, you know, £5,600 of interest a day. But if you've got £33 million and say you're in your 70s, why would you care? Because it could be somebody in their 70s who's bought a ticket and doesn't know how to check it. In which case, my advice to you, if you live in Worcester or anywhere else is, if you've got a ticket and you don't know how to check it by going online, you know, because if you're elderly, you might not have a computer, you go to anywhere that sells lottery tickets and you say, can you just check that for me, please? And that's that's how it works. You don't have to sort of sit there worrying about whether it's a winner or not. The numbers have been printed in the paper. But if you're elderly or you might be blind, it could be all sorts of reasons, all sorts of reasons. So if you are elderly and you did buy a ticket in Worcester and you haven't checked it yet, get the family to check it for you. And hope they're going to be honest when they come back and say you've won 33 million. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> um, another one here. Uh, Ian says, I read Savile's autobiography around 73. He admitted using his mobile home as a passion wagon. Well, I mean, he wasn't the only one using his mobile home as a passion wagon. He re- I mean, he really wasn't. You know, let's face it, girls used to go to the fun fairs to get pulled by the bloke who worked on the dodgems or something like that. That's how it worked. You know, you can't express naivety because there was somebody on the television who was really going over the top and hell for leather. And then people go, oh, we had no idea. You think, well, you must have done. You cannot have been that blind. It's not possible. Everybody in the business knew about him. Why didn't the BBC know about him? The answer is they probably did, but covered it up like they do with most of their things. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, the other one, uh, a lot of people talking about this uh, ticket bought in Worcester. How do they know? They know from the moment the lottery finishes, within seconds. I used to go to the National Lottery, and you go backstage, and they would they, they do the draw, and then they go, four winners tonight, or no winners and so then they'd announce it would be a rollover. They, they know immediately. The computer throws up the uh, the plate. It'll tell you where the where where the, the person bought the ticket, how many lines there were on the ticket, whether it was a multi-ticket, all sorts of things. They know everything. So when people phone up and say, "I think I've got a winning ticket," because they've been out and bought something else with the same numbers, they've got. I think there are five different checks on the ticket, so they can find out whether you're genuine. I mean, you can't believe people are that stupid that they doctor a ticket. But believe you me. They do, ladies and gentlemen. They really do. Uh, on the subject of uh, of nostalgia, I quite like that idea, says Paul. Yes, I mean, well, they all say nostalgia. It's not. It's not uh, what it was. Absolutely not what it was at all. Uh, although we do, we do do a lot on nostalgia. Yesterday, we were absolutely inundated, absolutely inundated with people talking about these uh, sweets that had vanished from a long time ago and cakes and, uh, and fast food meals. That was, that was our biggest thing yesterday. That, that absolutely went crackers, absolutely crackers. It was absolutely amazing, absolutely amazing. We had, even my boss said to me yesterday, he said, God, it went fantastically well. I said, well, you know, it did yesterday. Yesterday was a very, very good day. And I remember talking to a friend of mine in the building, who's also a diabetic, as you know, my friend Mike. And he said, cracking programme today. Because he likes it when you get those things where you, where, you know, it jogs something in your memory. He was the one that reminded me about the Brown Derby. And, uh, and I would then remind you about the Knickerbocker Glory and the Banana Split and all that kind of stuff. Because you do remember it. People went out differently years ago. You appreciated your food nowadays. People don't appreciate it. They go to Subway uh, or they go and get a kebab or they get Kentucky or they get a McDonald's. And it's something that you do when you're younger. 
I think you're going to have, you know, if you think you've got 10 million diabetics at the moment, I think in a few years to come, you're going to have hundreds, hundreds of diabetics more because of so many fast food places. Only with the advent of fast food do, uh, do you get, you know, people who are obese, you know, and, and you do see some really seriously, mainly in America, but I think it's over here, actually. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, another one here. Oh, actually, on the weather. Shall I do you the weather? I don't like doing the weather at this time of the morning. But uh, it's, uh, it's occasional rain, heavy for a time, some bright spells later. What did I not bring? An umbrella today. Will we do? And today, cloudy with occasional rain in the morning, heavy for a time from late morning to early afternoon. OK, that's the time I'm staying in then. And then a strong, gusty, southerly wind. High today in London, 10 centigrade. So we're, we've effectively pushed the temperature up quite a bit for you. Tonight, dry uh, long clear spells, southwesterly winds, mainly light, some mist and fog patches forming in places. Five degrees centigrade and Saturday. Well, this is good. Oh, no, here we go. Dry with broken cloud and bright spells after a misty start. Then outbreaks of rain during the evening and overnight. So that'll take you into Sunday and then Sunday all the way through Tuesday. Mild, breezy, mainly cloudy on Sunday, occasional rain, but dry later. Mainly dry on Monday, but windy with possible rain later and showers on Tuesday morning, then drier and brighter. There you go. I mean, it's, it's OK. It's only rain, isn't it? You've seen rain before. It's just like having a shower and you're sharing it with uh, just about everybody else. Uh, a lot of people talking about uh, Russia, which we'll come around to a little bit later on on the programme. And this this quiz whiz kid, quiz whiz kid. She's a student. Uh, her name's Chloe. She's 19. She spends up to two hours a day entering contests in papers and magazines and on television and online. She won 42 competitions between August and December. I mean, some of them are just silly little competitions, but she won 42. Uh, she got 10,000 in cash, also landed tickets to the V Festival worth £400, a £500 four-night break for four at a Welsh resort. I love that. A £500 four-night break for four people at a Welsh resort. What sort of Welsh resort only charges that sort of money? It ought to be rude. Chloe from Islington won her first prize when she was 11. She says some competitions only have 10 entries. Yes, they do it on the television. I'm never too sure how it works. And they say, oh, we enter the competitions for you. You pay 24 quid a month or whatever it is. And um, and and they and I sort of thought about it and I thought, oh, I don't know. It's just another way of losing your money, isn't it? Uh, CJ says, because it's Friday, I'm going to have bacon, eggs, grilled tomatoes on toast, buttered brown bread. Ugh, ghastly. I don't mind the uh, the bacon and the eggs, but grilled tomatoes. I hate grilled tomatoes. Uh, and toasted buttered brown bread. Ugh, horrible. Brown bread. Doesn't sound very exciting. Eggy bread, which then becomes fried. Very nice. I like that idea. Kevin says, I went to a recording of Question Time a few years ago. After three complimentary cups of coffee, I took my seat to hear the announcers say, this is being recorded as live, so nobody can leave their seats until the end. I was wriggling in my seat for half an hour, and at the end there was a mad dash by everybody for the loo. I've done that before as well. You know me. And this morning, actually, I should be going to the toilet more than usual because I'm back on those blasted tablets again. <laughs> I wish I wasn't. I wish I wasn't. They keep saying to me, oh, yeah, you'll be fine on them. You'll be fine on them. Diabetic sweets. No, we don't do Dan diabetic sweets at all. And, um, you know, we don't do anything that's got the word diabetic on it. They used to do a complete range of biscuits and cakes. And I've spoken to diabetic experts and they've said, listen, you don't need to waste your money. Diabetic chocolates. If you want a piece of chocolate, have a piece of chocolate. 
You know, having having diabetic chocolate is horrible. It's like a laxative. Ugh, nasty, nasty. So don't don't waste your time and money. Really, it's not worth it. If you want to eat cream, eat cream. Don't eat cream substitute. It's just doing it in moderation. It's doing it in moderation and weaning yourself off things in particular. So uh, and sugar would be top of the list, wouldn't it? But diabetic sweets, absolutely not. No, 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 no. No, not at all. Uh, a stripper performing in Scarborough at a place called Quid's Inn. And so this stripper performed a stag-do sex show at a seaside pub in full view of children outside. The show, which included full nudity, said explicit sex. Explicit acts. Sorry, acts took place by a window overlooking a busy town centre street. It only stopped when uh, the council's CCTV schemes, teams, spotted the stripper in Scarborough and called the police. Anyway, they've allowed the pub to keep its licence. Perverts. 12 minutes to uh, 5. Eve Allen on LBC. Seven years, 10 to 5. Uh, remember the guy who won the million on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Yes, that was the cheating major, Charles Ingram, wasn't it? With his wife. What a ghastly couple they turned out to be. And uh, anyway, he had it all, and then he was exposed, and then she went on the programme called The Farm. She had to lie on a bed. And there was Jade Goody's ex, uh, Jeff Brazier, lying on there in his pants as well. In the days when they would sort of say, let's use Jeff Brazier. Now they don't seem to use Jeff Brazier at all. He seems to have disappeared. But I suppose being a life coach, roughly the same as, you know, helping people out with knitting, I suppose. I never know what life coaches are. I really haven't fathomed it out at all. But uh, he was on there with, uh, with the cheating major's wife. And they had their five seconds of glory. And then they disappeared. It was so obvious. It was so obvious that they were bent and uh, and they got caught out, which was hilarious. And uh, he tried to bluff it out as much as he could, but uh, it didn't work, did it? Steve.lbc.co.uk. Simon says, consider trying tomatoes with a sprinkling of oregano. I'm not really a big tomato fan. I eat little tiny tomatoes. I could eat those in the car. I quite like doing that. But I don't, um, I don't do uh, tomatoes grilled or anything else like that. I really... I, I, really, I don't know why I don't, actually. There's probably some reason for that, but I just I just don't don't enjoy them at all. Uh, just going back to the kids able to watch the strippers' sex show, only because I think you like the word strippers at this time of the morning. Uh, the council uh, watchdogs were told the pub supervisor, who'd been in the job for a year, didn't know strippers were banned. Yeah, right. Of course, love. And uh, anyway, so the police said that the sex acts far exceeded what would have been allowed at a licensed lap-dancing club. Uh, PC Debbie Cooper told the licensing hearing the window is a large one, overlooks a town centre thoroughfare and provided an unhindered display of full nudity and a variety of sexual acts. Councillors met behind closed doors to view the explicit footage, but let the pub keep its licence. <laughs> makes, makes a mockery of it, doesn't it, really? It's like, you know, murder, seriously wanted murderer working, you know, in a branch of Subway in this country, in Devizes, in Wiltshire. You know, changed his name, you know, hoodwinked them into employing him. And uh, anyway, now I think it's up to Interpol to take him back and he can spend the rest of his life behind bars. Uh, if you want to buy a used Ferrari, got a nice one for you today, a little bit later on, for about 2.75 million. If you found, I mean, you don't, you don't have to buy it, but it's, it's up for grabs if you really fancy it. And I like the idea that they found that U-boat from the 1950s. They've got a few hazy pictures in the, in the papers of this U-boat that they found. Uh, but they're not going to go down and do anything to it because it's considered a war grave, so they don't, they don't actually touch it. Jeremy Kyle, hilarious, 
in the uh, in the papers today because this is this is a scene straight out of the Jeremy Kyle show. This is what he does. He berates people. He shouts at them. You cheated on your wife. You did this. Why he didn't get his own wife on there? I can't imagine. Make her do a lie detector test. But anyway, he's uh, opened his heart on the pain of his marriage breakup. Now you know what all the people are like on the show. But he's just making a programme. When it happens to him, of course, it makes him look like a complete turnip. She was cheating, you know, loads of times, apparently. And uh, it was with a polo player. He, James Carr, he claimed he slept with the wife up to 20 times after she met him during a polo lesson. The tryst began after they swapped numbers on a night out in their hometown of Ascot. And so it went on. But uh, anyway, he spent most of the... Uh, the uh, the after-show party at the National TV Awards, talking to Katie Price and Linda Robson. What on earth you can talk to Katie Price about, I can't imagine. She's as boring as wood. She's so dull, so dull. But anyway, in a statement last year, Jeremy said he and Carla separated amicably and had a generally happy marriage, but the split came after he admitted on his talk show that he'd not had sex for ages. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. What goes around comes around. You know, I think you should have put the wife on the show, don't you? Lie detector test. Did you have sex with this man? You said no. Why'd you say no? You were lying. Test shows you were lying. That would have made it, you know, because that's what he does. That's what his living is. It's got nothing to do with helping these people. He's got some bloke on the show and they say, would you like a bit of sort of, who cares? It's making a television programme. That's all it is. It's people watching a television programme, laughing at the numpties who go on there, who've got tattoos all the way up their neck, and turns out the girlfriend's been cheating on them. Did you have sex with this bloke? No. Why'd you say no? Because I was telling the truth. She said you were lying. <laughs> we all sit there going, we knew that's how it was going to turn out. You can always tell the ones, because he's, he's now become a bit transparent. I can always tell the ones that are not going to go the way that we want them to, and the ones that aren't going to go the way. I always think it's quite funny, actually. So the most wanted Polish killer... Found working in a subway. Oh, dear, you'll be spending the rest of your life behind bars, I say. And uh, this bloke used to do the wages. Well respected. Well respected. Of course he was. He's a murderer. What do you think? They've got the word murderer tattooed over their head. Good God, if the Wests had been looking anything like murderers were supposed to look like, they'd have been caught years before. Years before. But they weren't. But they weren't. And, um... Uh, another one here. Oh, there's more on this, uh, this so-called Buddhist monk. I don't believe he's a Buddhist monk at all. I don't see how he can be. Why would you want to go out? Uh, he accidentally killed an insect. His name's Julian Glue. He slashed 192 cars as he wanted to vent his anger at accidentally killing this bug without hurting people. He got a dose of karma when a judge jailed him for actions that were not those of a person who lived for a peaceful coexistence. He's a stupid man. He's a stupid man. You can tell he's a stupid man. You know, he was not in a good way, they say. An insect appears to have upset him. What a load of old codswallop. Have you ever heard such trash? He was arrested, but then he jumped bail, went on the run for six weeks. He's not all right in that. This man needs medical help. Medical help. The judge, Fred Rutherford, he really believed that there is a judge called Fred Rutherford, uh, said that he went out of his way to affect 162 people. But apparently Buddhism uh, teaches the followers not to harm living beings, including animals. It was an insect. It was an insect. I should imagine in our day-to-day life we must kill millions of them. I don't go around slashing tyres like this loony. Thank you very much indeed. God, what's the matter with these people? And they send them to prison for 11 weeks. It's not really enough, is it? Uh, Warren's having one of his uh, days. 
Actually, the, uh, the strange thing was, we, we did a story yesterday, but it was only because the papers did it, about poppers. And I never thought I'd see a story about poppers on the front page of, uh, of any national newspaper in this country. But this is a, a so-called respected Tory who apparently is at it at the age of 40-plus with, uh, with his poppers. And he says, of course, you know, if, if you ban them, people will still have access to them. Well, I'm sure that they will, in the same way if you ban certain other drugs. I mean, there are other drugs that are banned, and still people supply them. All it will do if they're banned is it'll put the price up and they'll go underground. But at the moment, you can buy them anywhere. Seriously, every so-called sex shop, every market stall that sells any paraphernalia to do with smoking drugs, and that's on sale quite openly. Seriously, you can go and buy hooker pipes, you can buy, you know, all the um, the papers for doing ev- everything, you can buy all sorts of, of stuff. You can go into certain shops and you can buy scales for weighing stuff out. It's obviously quite a big market out there. They keep showing you these houses raided on the television where they go, looked after, after by two Vietnamese people who don't speak a word of English, and they're cultivating, you know, like millions of pounds worth of cannabis and, uh, and other drugs in this house. And, of course, they bypass the mains and do everything. And the police then have to sort of, you know, photograph it. Then they have to destroy all the drugs, and they have to take them away. And you begin to wonder after a while whether or not, you know, there's a purpose to this, because they say, years ago, you didn't have these hydroponic systems with all these lights set up. You can always tell if somebody's windows are blocked, you know, and they're, they're not showing the outside world what's going on, there's a very good chance, very good chance, unless they're naturists, that they might be doing cannabis. If you see people going in and out and they look vague, they, they tend to be Vietnamese. They tend to be. They're brought over uh, so that they're in the country, and once they're in the country then they, they have to pay somebody. So they're working off their passage, as it were, and they're there to tend the plants. And they just hold their hands up going, I don't know what you're talking about. Listen, we, we were paid to do it, and they just sort of play, play the innocent victims in all of this. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, not amyl nitrate now, says uh, Warren. He's absolutely right. He's absolutely right. As I pointed out yesterday on the programme, the days of finding amyl nitrate in a bottle of poppers is pretty rare. Butyl nitrate, which, as I pointed out the other day, is lighter fluid. That's plain and simply what it is. It's lighter fluid. And uh, people were, we had people defending them the other day. I was amazed how many people still appeared to be on them. And they're three bottles for a tenner. I know this because we, uh, Darren did his thing on it the other day, trying to find out more about it. And I'd be a very naive presenter if I didn't tell you exactly everything I knew about amyl nitrate. But uh, it doesn't, it's just a very short-term effect. But I thought you weren't allowed to buy it. But they then sell it as, I think it's got room deodorizer written on it or something but it's amyl nitrate it's that's but it's not amyl nitrate that's what it is that's why they called it poppers because poppers is amyl nitrate this is butyl which is a lighter fluid and that's why people get burnt noses and all sorts of things because it's it's like you know sticking lighter fluid on your nose it's not good is it coming up very shortly the news at five o'clock being friday the 22nd of january uh, the new cold war putin's fury after britain says he did order litvinenko's murder where was Pamela Stevenson when Billy Connolly was getting his award the other day from Dustin Hoffman? Uh, they apparently haven't been seen in public together since April. Um, he's not very well, as you know. He thanked everybody, family and friends and everything else, but no mention of Pamela. And I thought they were thick as thieves. I really did, seriously. Uh, the winning ticket for the lottery, it's been bought in Worcester. Nobody's come forward yet, but as I say, they might not know how to check it. A £5 bet wins one person £2 million. And uh, the other story is migraines getting worse for women as you hit the menopause. I'm Steve Allen. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. 
Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Friday, 22nd of January. You cannot wipe the smile off my face today. It's the weekend. We get paid on Monday. And it's just going to be fantastic. Couldn't care less about the weather. Not remotely bothered about it at all. Nice to have you company. I hope you are well. Good idea, wouldn't it? I told you they'll be making a film about the Hatton Garden heist. Because it's, it's just got film written all over it. And I can see Michael Caine in it. I can see him playing the part. Is it Reader? One of the blokes in there. I mean, to be honest with you, a big bunch of buffoons you'd be hard pushed to find. Talk about unsuccessful crims. They, they fit the category. Where was Pamela Stevenson when Billy was getting his award the other day? An NHS doctor tells a patient, you may have demons. What? Where are you coming from? And one of the world's most wanted fugitives? Working in a subway. Working in a subway, if you please, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the £5 bet, which won £2 million for somebody. Corsets are back in. Corsets are back in. And how a hungry Venus flytrap counts to five. All of that, Jeremy Kyle talking about how the kids saved him after the wife left him because she was cheating. It's funny, actually, because he picked her up, didn't he, off a radio show. She was a contestant on a radio show. She won a quiz. And he went out with, uh, with her. And then, of course, uh, they had a marriage. And uh, he was doing his little programme where he sort of laughs at the chavs. He was known as King of the Chavs, wasn't he, Jeremy Kyle? And uh, then, of course, when it happens to him, everybody turns around and laughs. You know, goes, well, kind of got a taste of your own medicine, haven't you, really? You should have actually concentrated. I mean, I would have thought all this advice they give people about relationships, he'd have known how to keep somebody happy in a relationship. But quite clearly, he's as much in the dark as the rest of us. Uh, Sarah says, I'm a bit of a devotee. Because uh, it's better listening to in bed than uh, at a bus stop. Uh, tomatoes on toast? No, 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 no. They make toast soggy. Never do tomatoes on toast. The toast goes really, really horrible. Not very good. Uh, I do remember the story of the news agent who claimed a lottery win with a customer's ticket after checking it for them and lying. Yeah, I think it was about uh, £20,000. £20, and he said, oh, it's only a, a tenner or something. He said, I can give you the money now. And I think that's how it worked. But he, he got caught out, of course, as indeed these people do. Uh, if the windows are blocked out, they may not necessarily be growing cannabis, says Miles. They might be Vietnamese naturists. <laughs> I've never thought about that, actually, before. I think that's quite a sweet idea. A Vietnamese naturist. <laughs> do you think that's, think that's entirely possible? Do you think such a thing exists? Do you think such a thing exists? A Vietnamese naturist. Something to ponder on over the programme this morning, isn't it? Uh, we've got a story about uh, pen pals. And then the story which emerged uh, some months ago about a, a bodybuilder, a Romanian called George Claudiu Albu. Uh, he was driving a Bentley. I can't imagine what sort of uh, bodybuilder he was who can afford to drive a Bentley in between buying all those steroids, I suppose. But um, he uh, was driving this Bentley... And he gets into it. He'd been drinking. He was caught on CCTV. It's £120,000 Bentley, and he's driving it. As I say, that's why I ask, what sort of bodybuilder is he? Is he sort of offering other services? But anyway, he gets in the car, and he hits a gardener called Chris Jones in Notting Hill, who died at the scene. Uh, the Bentley driver, the Romanian George, then makes a run for it. But he gets caught. Uh, he's arrested the next day, and he tests positive for cocaine. So they've sent him to prison for eight years which I think is fantastic. That time we saw more of these sort of things. You know, you've got other things. So somebody slashes the tyres of 160 people and gets 11 weeks in prison. I'd have put him in prison for 10 years. 
Tend to see, see whether he, when he comes out, he'll be thinking in exactly the same way as when he went in to prison. Because, I mean, it's just ridiculous. 11 weeks. That's not a deterrent for these people. Eight years is very good and banned from driving for 10 years, but he'll probably carry on driving when he gets out. But luckily, things will have changed quite considerably. Uh, at the NTA Awards, they've got sort of back to her usual sort of Geordie Shaw behaviour. That's uh, Vicky Pattinson. She, she didn't pick up the award. The programme picked up the award. It was nothing to do with her. But they all turned up and uh, George Shelley was there and Fern McCann. Bit of a, bit of a, let they say, a flanter backstage. I don't, is that, is that, that's, that's banter and flirting, I believe. He was looking quite smart. Nice new suit by the look of it. And she was looking a bit, uh, a bit perky. Um, other people, to be honest with you, I don't really follow the, uh, the NTA awards. I only see the end results. I've never been to it. I know that we had Dermot O'Dreary doing it, and that's about as exciting as it got. I didn't, uh, I didn't sort of, didn't sort of worry about it. I don't really. It couldn't care less. It's nice to give people awards, and I appreciate how that works. But as far as I'm concerned, it's always Anton. I mean, 40, is it 14 years? Anton Deck have now won the uh, the best presenters award because I mean, if you're in the running for, I love the way that Paul Ryland thought he stood a chance. Where a sort of you know prize buffoon of the year, I think, would be uh, more man with stupidest teeth. Man most affected on television. You know, it was it was just a little bit too much. So Anton Deck get it again, and everybody goes, oh, right, so Anton Deck got it. And then we all just go back to living, don't we, again? You just assume that they're going to win it every time. They must be sort of going, oh, it's us again. Let's try and come up with a different thing to say. Well, yeah, because, we're, you know, it's sort of worth it. Bake a groove, and it was fantastic, and we love it. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> Hopefully somebody will win it next year. It'll be somebody different. Uh, the UK's favourite meals, which is quite nice. Guess what? At number... Ten. This is one I've not had for ages. Ham, egg and chips. Do you remember years ago, you'd get a slice of ham on your plate and then an egg and then some chips. My mother used to you know, peel the potato, do the whole thing. Shepherd's pie. Can't eat shepherd's pie. It's got lamb in it. I can eat cottage pie, which is the beef, but uh, shepherd's pie is lamb and I get ill on lamb. Number eight, cream tea. I think we're going to be doing that. I was talking to a friend of mine, Michael, the other day. And I bumped into another presenter who works for one of our sister stations, and he wants to come out with us for champagne. So I thought we'll have to do a cream tea, won't we? Bangers and mash. I mean, there is nothing, ladies and gentlemen, more appealing than a couple of sausages uh, with some nice creamy mashed potato with lashings of butter. <laughs> I shouldn't be saying this. With lashings of butter. Well, just a bit of butter. And, uh, and then some nice onion gravy. I mean, that really is a comforting meal. But that's only at number seven. Number six, what were we saying yesterday? When you used to go to the Bernie Inns... And the harvesters, it was strawberries and cream. Strawberry. You cannot find something that's nicer than strawberries and cream. Or in our day, because we didn't have cream, we used to have uh, evaporated milk. I never understood why we opened the tin and it was still all there. Uh, at number five, apple crumble. Very nice. I've still got these uh, apple tartan things, or whatever they're called, in the fridge at the moment. I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to eat them yesterday either. I really couldn't. Do you know, I can't tell you what I had to eat yesterday. I was thinking about, oh, I know what I had. Broccoli... <laughs> I've just remembered. Talk about memory loss. Broccoli and cheese bake with uh, a couple of frankfurters. Delicious. Really delicious. Number four, the one that you're all going to be having probably now and a little bit later on, the bacon butty. But it's got to be a really nice soft roll and it's it's got to have some nice crispy bacon in there. That's, that's delicious. Uh, number three, the full English breakfast. Now, it varies depending on which part of the country you're actually in. The full English breakfast, to me, would be sausage, egg, bacon, 
hash brown, baked beans. I don't want mushrooms. I don't want tomatoes. I don't want black pudding. Uh, or maybe some toast would be very nice. Or if you're really pushing the boat out, fried bread. And if you're going to have fried bread, you've got to put the beans on top of the fried bread. So you've got to drag them over there. And that works, doesn't it? I know you're all cursing me at the moment. Uh, number two, the roast dinner. You know, roast dinners take on many shapes and forms and you can get all sorts of good value roast dinner out now. You can go to Mark's, other supermarkets do it as well, and they do their sort of value meal. And you can get the roast with the vegetables and a side and, and a chicken or something like that. You just heat it up in the oven. It's lovely. Lovely. You just have roast years ago. I've not had a roast for a long time. I like a carvery. I like a carvery and especially like it if it's got Yorkshire puddings there. And the number one, the UK's favourite meal. Number one... So proving that Phil, Phil got it right yesterday, fish and chips. Fish and chips is still our, our favourite meal. Finding it is very difficult. Finding the right fish, trying to find out if it is actually what it says it is. So if you say, I'll have codden chips, is it really codden chips? We discovered that they were passing off cod tail as cod. And of course, that's the cheaper end. That's the cheaper end. And that's what people are, are doing. Uh, the story in the paper today of oral sex... I can't believe I'm even saying that at this time of the morning. Is it allowed to say that at this time of the morning? Apparently it raises the cancer risk 22 times. I don't actually seriously think there's any comment I can make after that. I don't really know what to say. Having used the word poppers the day before and now talking about oral sex today, I mean, honestly, things things have changed quite considerably in the wonderful world of radio. <laughs> Years ago, I remember when people were talking about... Um, um, <laughs> Can I describe it? Sanitary towels, which were advertised on the radio. And Claire Rayner said to me, she said, I can't believe that we're talking about things like that. In her day, it was, it was never talked about. People didn't talk about things like that. Nowadays, you can talk about everything. I can remember the time. Oh, I can't tell you about it, actually. I've just realised because it sounds even too rude, at, even at this time of the morning. But I had, I had a problem with a, with a budgery guard that had a rather nasty habit. And I had to go to my boss because I recorded a piece with a vet and ask him about whether or not I could mention this. And he said, well, if it's in context, of course you can, Steve, if it's in context. And it was an act that this budgie was doing that, that unfortunately meant that every time it did it, it fell off its perch because it was only balancing on one leg and you have to work it out for yourself. And so I mentioned this on the programme. Well, the producer doubled up in laughter. I mean, seriously, as we laughed and we laughed and the more we laughed about it. You know, when you laugh about something and your sides hurt so much that you go, stop, stop it now. And then somebody else will do something. It's like laughter is terribly infectious, terribly infectious. <laughs> but uh, I have had things over the years that have just set me off. And I, I wish they wouldn't because I get into the most dreadful trouble. I really do. Uh, anyway, more of your uh, texts and emails. I've got to find out actually from later on today. I shall ask Carol McGiffin where she's moving to. Uh, Lee Baldry. I uh, sent out a tweet the other day. He said that that heart sinking feeling. He said when somebody's joining the M25 in the wrong direction, but oddly seemed to think that I was going the wrong way. They call them black drivers. You get it a lot in Austria. Outside of Vienna, the motorways coming in from the airport invariably get somebody driving the wrong way on it. In America, of course, they're, they're, they're just either sort of bank robbers or they're on drugs or something like that. But uh, it's, it's called Black Riders in, uh, in Austria. Very interesting, very interesting. Uh, Darren was asking, have you ever had to work the morning after with a hangover? No, no. I have had drinks and then come in to do a programme about 30 years ago. Never again, never again. Uh, a lot of people, Nick Ferrari is going to be talking about um, 
about the cheaper tickets for London. And Sadiq Khan has said if he gets in, then it'll be cheaper tickets for London as to go to the theatre, which, frankly, I think is a, is a little bit far-fetched. A little bit far-fetched. Because if it was only Londoners going to the theatre, can you imagine? You've got people coming down on a coach and they paid a fortune and they're sitting next to a Londoner who's paid half price. No, 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 no. That's not going to work at all. It's just ridiculous. Uh, what else do we have here? Quickly, let me find out. Oh, somebody sent me a lovely picture of uh, homemade... Ham, egg and chips. Thank you, Joe. Oh, that does look nice, actually, doesn't it? <laughs> Steve, why are you always so cheerful in the morning, earning money? Oh, always, always. Listen, how can you not be cheerful? How can you not be cheerful? Look at it logically. How can you not be cheerful? I had a great day yesterday. I was with some friends. Uh, today I'm going out shopping. I came in. I was in a reasonably good mood this morning. I hate it when the producer comes in. So, good morning. He goes in one of those cheerful, kind of sneering sort of ways. You know, and I'm, I don't bounce around in the morning. No, it's great. And I wanted to comment on his haircut, but, you know, I'd, I thought, leave it, because he has it cut every so often. I think what they're actually doing is sort of saving the bits and they're giving them to people less fortunate. And so they can make sort of toupees out of it. It's quite a severe haircut this time round, actually. It's about the most severe he's ever had. I've not seen one, so he's obviously going to a wedding or some party or something, or the wife's... You go to, you go to Super Bowl? Oh, right, you're going to San Francisco. When's that? Next week? Oh, right. Oh, right. OK. Oh, sorry, I do beg your pardon. So, obviously, we start talking, and I forget all about the news and everything else. I get sidetracked. So, very quickly, it's a little bit after quarter past five. <laughs> David Cameron says he'll consider new sanctions against Russia after the state-sponsored murder of a KGB spy in London. Is it time to toughen up on Vladimir Putin? Labour mayoral candidate Sadiq Khan pledges to give Londoners cheaper tickets for West End shows, should it be a priority. And dog owners are being urged to register their pet's DNA to wipe out the problem of dog mess. Are they barking mad? And it's phone Farage, your chance to put your questions to the UKIP leader with Nick Ferrari. After the news at seven this morning, which is after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Yeah, I think they're making it. I think it's Barking and Dagenham, isn't it? Uh, who are going to... I think you, it's going to be a compulsion that you have to register your pet. If you don't, uh, they'll be clamping down. Honestly, it's, get, it's getting worse and worse every day, isn't it? Big Brother all over the place. Uh, now we hear that Will Smith has confirmed he will not attend the Academy Awards. He said he won't. And Manchester City star Raheem Sterling keeps his teammates in trim by cutting their hair. Oh, well, it makes a change from sort of, you know, driving cars, which all you hear about with footballers, isn't it? You never hear about their prowess on the field. You hear about their prowess, you know, in the nightclubs and the flash cars that they drive, and that's about it, actually. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger will not be back for another Terminator film. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Um, apparently, the, uh, the reaction in America was really bad. It was a problem for the studios, and they decided they weren't going to make any more. How many they made, I've got no idea. It just seemed to go on. You're, I'll be back. I never, I never seen one of them. I never saw one. F- they've done five Terminators. Terminator one, two, three, four, and five. God, boring, honestly. What a dreary man. I remember him when he was Mister Austria from years and years ago, and that's that's the only thing I ever know about him. And uh, and that's it. Uh, what about ketchup? Says Tom with the full English. Um, not all the time. I wish I liked mustard more. Do you know I saw somebody who'd thieved from Costco the other day. I mean, we see it a lot. Thieving goes on in every in every company, in every office, in every shop, in every restaurant. Somebody thieves somewhere. And this person had um, had taken mustards. You get a little pack of three different assorted mustards, a tomato, mustardy ketchup kind of thing, and a baseball, whatever it was. And they'd taken them out of the thing, obviously put them in their in their pockets. People thieve. You see, what I want to do, I've always said, I'm terrible. I, w- I would love to be a store detective. I'd have a field day. I'd be having, I'd be having people in prison so fast. And I think, you know, if, if it's somebody in, in Costco and you catch them, 
And you go, I've seen people literally opening sweets, opening sweets in there. Parents opening sweets. They must be the scummiest scum of the earth, mustn't they, really? People who thieve for that kind of thing. It's very annoying. And um, it was a case of, uh, if you actually see them, you get to the checkout, you say, can I have your card? Thank you. Put all the stuff back on the trolley. I'd like to leave the store before we call the police. You know, it's as simple as that. Then you can go somewhere else. I told you about the two women I saw in Marks and Spencers try to shoplift lobsters and everything else. But blatantly, literally blatantly, just standing there, not even hiding themselves, and just taking it, opening up the bag and dropping stuff in there. You see a lot of women with these black bags over their shoulders. Mainly thieves. Mainly thieves. Uh, so Holly and, uh, and Phil, we didn't go home. And, of course, she's got her eyes open. You know it's a bit of a set-up picture. It's a bit embarrassing. Still wearing the same clothes, but, of course, they managed to get their full makeup on. Her hair was done. But uh, yesterday's clothes on. Dirty, dirty, dirty. And that was apparently after the television awards. Emma Bunton celebrated her birthday yesterday. I think that was the big... And... Um, and they got her flowers and, uh, and a cake. Because somebody had said the day before, um, she said, well, well, I think she said, or somebody else said, don't worry, the only time you ever get flowers and a present is when you're leaving. <laughs> Which, of course, is quite true in companies now. They go, oh, could we have a little little session? Uh, little drinky-poos and stuff like that. And then, and then people leave. Um, Grimmy, get me in the Big Brother house. This is Nick talentless Grimshaw. Honestly, a complete disaster on the X Factor. And now he says, put me into the Big Brother house. How about Big Brother house Australia? And they're just leaving him there. That'd be quite preferable, wouldn't it? He's so obsessed with it that uh, his uh, sun-kissed break in Belize was ruined when he realised he was going to miss the launch night. So he's told Emma Willis, get me into there. I don't know why, he's the most boring person ever. He's a dullard. Why would you want to put a dullard in there? Also slightly desperate. Slightly desperate. I think it sort of smacks of desperado, doesn't it? It's like Jeremy Kyle trying to justify why his marriage went wrong. It's because you weren't there. That's why. It's because you weren't there. That's why she was off, you know, gallivanting with somebody else. Uh, who's taking on a, a five-day triathlon for sports relief? Wearing a very, very tight suit. This is Greg James, who emailed me a little while ago, actually, saying it was quite nice to be able to listen to me live in the morning, which always kind of freaks me out a little bit, because you, you never know if you do a radio programme whether somebody's listening or whether they're not listening. We know through the audience figures, but you don't know who it is who's listening. You have no idea. Uh, Tony Hall at the BBC has pledged the Jimmy Savile scandal will never be repeated. Well, so nice of you to be able to prophesize this. I mean, how is that going to happen? How, how do we know it's not going on even as we're sitting here now? We don't. I don't think anybody knows what's going on. It doesn't have to be a high-profile name. It can be anybody at the BBC. It could be anybody in any organisation. It doesn't have to be any one particular place. It's just that they seem to have more than their fair share. And as, as, uh, as Jimmy Savile, the pervert, was able to operate uh, very successfully for years and years and years, I'm assuming that the BBC haven't upped their ante on anything at all and it's still just as easy to get away with it. It could be anybody, couldn't it? It could be absolutely anybody. You don't know who it is. No idea. Uh, David Bowie. I still think that was very interesting. But um, uh, this is... Uh, because David Bowie had two different coloured eyes. And so they've got a dog in the paper. He's at a, a centre in Harefield. He's five-year-old Mickey. And uh, they say he's, he's, he's got this thing called heterochromia. Heterochromia. And it means you've got two different coloured eyes. I think it looks quite nice, actually. I quite like it. But um, uh, no, nobody wants him because he's got different coloured eyes. I would have thought that would have been exactly the reason that you want this story. He's in Harefield, so I'm sure you can uh, work that out. Uh, Nicole Scherzinger, good Lord, she's not still around, is she? They say the former X Factor judge. When was that? Was that in our lifetime, ladies and gentlemen? She's now 37, and um, she was at uh, the launch of Jennifer Lopez's All I Have residency in Las Vegas. Which is great, but I mean, does anybody know who Nicole Scherzinger is? 
She's, I mean, she needs a high-profile relationship, because otherwise she doesn't get any coverage in the papers at all. And uh, the farce that is the National Lottery, because the no-winners farce has sparked fresh uproar. Wednesday's top prize went unclaimed. So tomorrow's jackpot, 14.1 million. Top prize has been scooped just once in 20 draws. I mean, the odds are now 45 million to one. It's called rip-off. It's as simple as that. It's another rollover, and it keeps going, keeps going. And then lots of people are saying, you know, after 25 years, we've decided to not play the National Lottery. And that's why it's a small amount of people playing. So you wait ages for it to get up to sort of 9 million. It can be sort of two or three weeks. Whereas years ago, that would be 20 million. Now I think it's about three weeks before you even get anywhere near it. And so people are saying, it's not worth it, is it? It's not worth it anymore. It's two quid a ticket. used to be a pound. I loved one of the papers was sort of, uh, I think it was the Express, were doing a big thing saying it's outrageous. You know, the National Health Lottery gives money to good causes and it's only a pound a ticket. And then I suddenly realised, of course, the Express was saying that. The Express is owned by Richard Desmond, who owns the National Health Lottery. He's publicising his own lottery. So when they go, oh, look, somebody won £6,000 or somebody won 100000 who wants to win 100000 What's the point of doing that? You want to win big. You want to win 100 million. It's like saying to Richard Desmond, what would you rather have? You know, a little, a little sort of one-sided piece of paper, which is your newspaper, or, you know, proper newspapers. The answer is proper newspapers. Don't try and fob people off with £100,000. It's very nice to have, but to be honest with you, it's not the, you know, 66 million, 161 million that is generated by the National Lottery. Because the more it keeps rolling over, eventually somebody gets there. Eventually. 33 million, it's not bad. In fact, if you'd bought every single ticket in the lottery, you'd be out of pocket because there were two winners. Not so good. Oh, look, you'll like this one, boys. Victoria's Secret Models, they're just page three tartlets. And they go out there. Apparently, they're going to star in a new TV show, Candice and her Danish pal, called uh, Josephine Schreiber. And uh, it's, it's going to show about the American lingerie giant. It's just a bunch of girls who normally would get their boobs out for just about anybody. And, uh, and this time they're getting every other aspect of their body out. But they call them Victoria's Secret models. It's just tartlets. That's it. They're, they're slightly better looking than your average page three girl in this country, who generally are found are sort of lounging on beaches in Littlehampton or somewhere like that. Um, the army gave me killer cancer, says uh, a dying ex-squaddy. He says, because the army didn't give out sun cream. I have to be honest, we need to mollycoddle everybody in this day and age. Do you not think so? The army, can you imagine? Okay, we're in the army now, and here's your sun cream for the day. I mean, everybody knows about the dangers of not going out in, you know, in bright sunshine. Not even in bright sunshine. You can get skin cancer, you know, even on dull days. And, but not everybody gets it, because you should imagine that this particular man, and awful though it is, there would have been loads of other squaddies out there, also in exactly the same position, they didn't get skin cancer. So what is it about him that gives him skin cancer, but somebody doing exactly the same thing, out in exactly the same day, exactly the same weather, and he, they don't get skin cancer, but he does. There has to be something in you, doesn't there, that, um, that sort of triggers this kind of thing off. I've often asked the question, what is it? And the answer is, we have no idea. 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to six. You can uh, you can enjoy yourself today. Enjoy yourself because it's the weekend. In London, it's going to rain. I don't know what you've got the rest of the country, but I should imagine it's probably cold weather. But we seem to have moved away from the uh, from the freezing cold weather that we had yesterday and the day before and now we're up to 10 degrees centigrade today which isn't bad at all is it i think we can i think we can actually cope with that uh we have a, a well-known fish and chip shop says ian it's very yummy 
and I go there all the time. I think people find their own local fish and chip shops, don't they? Uh, and they uh, and they they sort of stick with them because you're not going to get in the car to go and get fish and chips. So it's got to be somewhere local. If you don't like the fish and chips, you're not going to eat it. Uh, I noticed the uh, the butcher's shop in Twickenham, the Laverstock Farm, has closed. Well, I knew about that about three years ago because uh, I knew somebody who works in there, and they said it's not a long term plan. They were in there just for sort of for short term. Either way, they said in the economic climate, they couldn't make it work because I think we've got so many supermarkets. People tend to go and buy their meat in the supermarket. It's, I mean, I'm hoping there's going to be another butcher's shop that's going in there because I don't like to see empty shops, especially not in the area where I live, because that's not. But the rents are so ridiculously high. The only people who can afford them, uh, the murderously high rents. And then you've got the council tax and then you've got to pay, you know, people who work in the shop and everything else. The only people who can afford that are the coffee shops who don't pay any tax in the first place. Little people pay tax. And so that's why people can't survive, because we're up there. It's like we were, I was talking to the driver this morning, and we were sort of saying about people who arrive in the country, and they get given everything. You know, you imagine you arrive in the country from Afghanistan, where you've got nothing, and all of a sudden you've got a car, a house, food, money. You can go out and buy all sorts of luxury goods, mobile phone. You know, all of a sudden it's a different world, isn't it? And I'm thinking, you know, in about 20 years' time, we might as well just bankrupt the country, because there's going to be so many people on benefits and my brilliant idea of cutting people's benefits. You know, you can come in the country and we'll, we'll give people a bit of a hand. And then eventually we go, no, we don't. You know, we don't want anybody else. Thank you very much indeed. Unless you can bring something to the country. You've got to bring something to it. Not just sitting on your bottom collecting handouts. That's not, that's not good for anybody. You know, we'd have all these people appear on the Jeremy Carl show. If they're on benefits, how long have you been unemployed? Oh, about two years. Well, that's it. Your benefit's stopping now immediately. Better get your family to support you and start teaching people to get out there and work. You know, and do something. Try and be a useful member of society. I'm sick to death of seeing, you know, bloated people sitting there. They can afford tattoos and they can afford to drink and they can afford to do their drugs, but they can't afford to work. Don't understand it. There's an electricity worker who was zapped by 33,000 volts. This is Ashley Coe. Ashley Coe couldn't remember his girlfriend and had absolutely no idea who his younger family members were. He had three heart attacks after the accident. Medics said he could have died. He was helping build a solar power plant when a digger hit an overhead cable, saw, uh, causing the electricity to surge through his body. He said, I'd been with my girlfriend for quite a, a while, but I didn't know who she was or her kids. It was terrible. I had a niece and nephew I didn't recognise. When I woke up, I was like, who are these two little people? It was very stressful. He still meets old friends who he doesn't uh, recognise at all. He said, I have to explain. I've had to get to know some people all over again. The two companies involved in the building work were fined 250000 and £35,000 for safety failings in connection with the 2013 incident. So it, it sort of it obliterated, I think, about six years of his memory. Isn't that body a wonderful thing? I mean, you can actually obliterate six years of your memory. God, what a godsend. What a godsend. Flash Brits spend about 1,200 quid a year on gadgets. Have you bought gadgets? Oh, good Lord. Uh, what, uh, what, what gadgets have you bought recently? I don't know what you would buy, actually. I haven't got anything recently that I, I'd be thinking, oh, yeah, that would be classed as a, as a gadget. Bottle opener, I suppose, something like that. I don't know, actually. We managed to get Phil, Phil Vickery very interested the other day in halogen ovens, so expect to see one of those turning up on, on this morning very soon. He can do sausages in there so much quicker than frying. So much quicker than frying. I suppose so much healthier, a bit like, you know, little George Foreman grill. But it was so funny to, you know, to see his haddock and chunky chips the other day and mushy peas. Love it. Uh, Eurovision champion. Uh, man Zemelo is being lined up by BBC Chiefs. They want to add a Euro flavour to their celeb lineup. 
for this year's Strictly. He won the song. Why would you want? Why would you want some Swedish bloke on Strictly? They really. They haven't got anybody else at all, have they? Really. A little bit embarrassing. BBC bosses were impressed with his nifty footwork. And then a Strictly source says he's very good looking too. Oh, God. We're going on that one, are we? Very sexist, isn't it? We don't need that kind of thing. I do have a sexist story for you. I didn't think we'd have one, but I, I do have one. Guess who's touring? Adamant. Performing the iconic album Kings of the Wild Frontier. Uh, also, Jason Donovan. He's, uh, he's got as many sold-out concerts as Adam Han- Ant has. Because with Jason, you just want the hits, don't you? You want the hits. I want to hear Too Many Broken Hearts. I want, I want to hear everything. I only want to hear the hits. Thank you very much indeed. And, uh, and as he looks better now than he did years ago. I mean, seriously. Nigella Lawson says, I, dw- I, drink? I, I drink 12 cups of tea a day. I bet there's some of you listening going, well, it's not very much, is it? 12 cups of tea a day. Start adding it up. If you start adding up how many cups of coffee you have and how many, how many cups of tea, it's all bad for you. It's all bad for you. Everything's bad for you now. Every single thing. There's nothing good for you, is there? And they go, oh, I think I'll go on a health kick, so I'll just, I'll just drink water. And you do that for a little while, then people go, I think I'll have flavoured water, without realising that flavoured water is just full of, of sugars. And they go, ah, but it's flavoured water. And you go, it's not good for you. It really isn't. The only flavoured water that would be good for you would, would be something hot in the morning with some lemon juice. And that's about it. 33 million could be yours, but you've got to live in Worcester. It was bought in Worcester. Um, the person has only got until July the 7th before you lose the money. So you're turning up on the 8th. You know, the moment the clock ticks past the midnight, you have lost it. Uh, so nobody's come forward. There are also a collection of million-pound prizes waiting to be claimed from Preston, Staffordshire, Hull, Swansea, Rochdale, Lancashire, Liverpool and Durham. Doesn't say anything about Twickenham. Did you notice that? There was no mention of Twickenham at all in there. The rules of the game say you've got 180 days to find the ticket and make the claim before the cash and any interest is donated to good causes. I want to know who these good causes are. I want to go, I want to go and be friendly with the good causes. Uh, all we know, somewhere in the city of Worcester, for this ticket. Uh, the actual shop that sold it has reportedly not been informed. So they're all going, was it us? Was it? Because over here, you don't get a, you don't get a, a present. In America, you can get, I think it's about a million dollars if you sell the winning ticket. And that's, that's a bit of an incentive, isn't it? And then people think that's lucky, so people go there and buy tickets. So it, it generates itself. It becomes self-generating for you to go and buy another ticket. Because they, they, I mean, contrary to what you might think, they do actually want people to win. It's in their best interest to have people winning. Otherwise, people after a while go, oh, I don't think so. Why should we bother doing it again? We want to know. We want to know exactly. Uh, if you're feeling blue, do not blame it on the winter. What are we blaming it on then? I thought the whole idea was, you know, the long hours of darkness, the post-Christmas poverty. And uh, believe you me, many of you will be feeling that post-Christmas poverty. And also the biting cold. You feel a bit bit blue. But the number of people who suffer from seasonally affective disorder or SAD is far smaller than previously thought. Uh, so it's, it's only a small amount of people. But I think some people get themselves into that mindset, don't they? They go, oh, it's dark outside. Well, I love it when it's dark outside. It's one of my, one of my favourite colours, dark. It's very much my favourite colour. And so you, you sort of look out the window and someone go, oh, I don't like this, and it's cold. Or the boiler's packed up, or the heating's packed up. It just goes from bad to worse, doesn't it? And so you, you do try desperately to get yourself through it, but you can't. Oh, we found the building in a tax haven. How many companies call this building home, ladies and gentlemen? And I can tell you exactly where it is. It's in the Cayman Islands, and it's a, a five-storey office block. It's called Ugland House. How many... 
<laughs> firms call this home. Believe it or not, around 20,000 companies call it home. It's quite clearly the biggest fiddle going, isn't it? And uh, over there, somebody says, um, if there are any secrets in Cayman, I don't know anything about them. I think it's going to be a television programme tonight. It's called Inside Cayman. It's the trillion pet. It's just, it's an offshore place where they go to. So it doesn't make any difference. They just list loads of companies from there. But they're not actually there. They're there for tax purposes. Uh, The best small hotel in uh, the world is Chester. Uh, This is very nice. I don't know how much it costs to stay here. It's had a very big makeover of about £400,000. They've had 400 reviews. It's only a seven-bedroom house, but people seem to love it. People love it. It's got copper baths. And they say it's a super cool bolt hole. And it's beat some of the most exclusive hotels. I've been in some lovely hotels, really. I've been in some real grotty hotels. But on the other hand, I've been in some grotty hotels that, to be honest with you, for what you're paying for it, it's actually quite good value. They've also got the pictures today, which you haven't seen, inside the Costa Concordia. This is the Italian uh, the uh, the ship that went down, and they've got now the pictures. It's like seeing something from the Titanic, you know, with, with fruit machines that appear to have been sort of ripped apart. Whether or not people vandalised them, I've got no idea. No idea. But the picture inside the staircase, it does look like that, that old picture of the Titanic that you're so used to seeing. it. Uh, one of the world's most wanted men found working in Subway, uh, Pietro Kupiec, one of Interpol's most wanted men, working in devices. Of course, nobody actually twigging to the fact that he's, uh, he's wanted for, for murder and gangland killings. So that was good, isn't it? How they found him, I've got no idea. How do you find somebody like that? And I'm still trying to find, because I now can't find... Isn't it typical? You find a story in the paper that you really like, and, uh, and then you go back onto it, and, and you can't find the blooming thing again. And this is the one about somebody complaining about a mannequin, a picture of a mannequin, not even a proper mannequin, a picture of a mannequin in a window in Brighton, which is possibly the most easy-going town you'll ever be in. I mean, you could walk down the street naked in Brighton, and I don't think anybody would ever say anything to you at all. They really wouldn't. They're, they're, they're far too over things like that. And yet somebody complained about this picture, saying, oh, it's offensive to women. I mean, Lord above. I'm sure that it's the same person who probably goes into a lingerie shop and goes, it really shouldn't be like this. Shouldn't be like this at all. I'll find the story for you and I'll bring it to you this morning. And then I will tell you the story about the NHS doctor who told a patient you may have demons and you need to go to a a church uh, based in Nigeria for curing. What? And this man's working for the NHS. Surely not. Unfortunately, yes. Quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's 12 minutes to six. In conversation every Sunday morning between 5 and 6 a.m. And then repeated at 9 to 10 of a Sunday evening and available to download. And this week, all of the guests have been filmed as part of the, uh, the interview. So who do we have for you? My first guest... It's a top American actor. He made his name playing Martin Freeman's character in the American version of The Office. And he's now one of the stars of 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. He is the delightful John Krasinski. Much talked about in The Office. The ladies were going crackers for him. In to talk to me about the new film based on a true story about six ex-military operators who fought off Islamic militants to protect the CIA, but also his relationship with Britain's own Emily Blunt, to whom he is married, and about getting his break in the office. I won a lottery ticket, so I've been stopped on the street and asked, you know, how did you get into acting? And I say, you know, I'm the luckiest guy in the world, and I truly mean it. Like I said, I was a waiter, and I, sure, I auditioned for this role, but I had no idea that the role, you know, 
A, that I'd get the role, B, that people would connect to the show as much as they did. And so it's all these series of events. But I, I do believe that, you know, you know uh, the idea that luck and opportunity have to meet at the same time in order for it to work out. You can't yeah. just be lucky. You also have to be sort of at the right place at the right time. Do you have friends within the business? Absolutely, yeah. Oh, right. A whole <laughs> lot of friends, yeah. You like to, you like to cultivate. Do you, yeah. do, do you know what they call networking? I don't know if it's networking rather than just sort of bumping into people you really enjoy. And, and you know, obviously we're put together a lot at different events. And so... Mm. You can either sit there and just stare at your wife, which I'm happy to do, or uh, you can actually yeah, right. just don't, don't dwell on this exactly. Too much. Yeah, yeah. It's beginning to sound a bit sick. Exactly. You know. <laughs> um, or you can bump into other people and talk about stuff. And so you know, yeah. it's it's nice. Do you to, do the circuit? You... Do you do Hollywood parties? Because we're always we're always fascinated by Hollywood parties. Are you? We don't kind of have that over here. It's right. not really. It's not as big. You know? Yes, you do. No, we don't have them like you have them. Really? No, seriously. I mean, yours is. From I all mean, the paparazzi shots, it looks like a lot of people are having fun in London. Yeah, but anybody listen, and I could walk out this building and get a paparazzi shot. It's not that <laughs> difficult. I promise you. Really? Oh yeah, but in America, you know, we like to see. We people are impressed. Your your sort of acting goes around the world. Our actors tend to stay mainly here. Oh, it's only a few that, that can break in America, and then we get a bit excited and jump up and down and yeah. blow a balloon up. Yeah, yeah. You know, but you can be seen around the world, so American actors have a much bigger playing field. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't even think of it, because every time I see movies, it feels like all these British actors are in there. No, it's the same one. Really? It's the same one. It's all just the way Benedict through. Cumberbatch. It's <laughs> it might be. More of uh, the fabulous John Krasinski this weekend. Really such a... All the girls kept saying in the office, what was he like? What was he like? Does he look buff? Yes, absolutely. My second guest is actually two for the price of one. A brilliant duo in to talk about their many years in the industry, meeting on the set of EastEnders, their friendships, and their new play called The Perfect Moida. It's the brilliant Jesse Wallace and Shane Ritchie. So I asked Jesse if, when they first started working together 14 years ago, she imagined they'd still be doing it today. No, not at all. <laughs> what no, did you think of him when you first met him? Um, <laughs> <laughs> be careful there, language. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, we, uh, th th I think all the producers were watching the monitors and uh, it was a scene where Shane um, was behind the bar and, uh, yeah. and then I walk in and they straight away they saw the chemistry and they was like, look at this get these two together yeah. and they put it on the sort of the, the back burner for about a year didn't yeah. they like, and let it boil up and but also um, i think they, they saw as well because off camera as well because you know when you're on a set something like certainly in the queen vic there's a lot of downtime but what you don't realize sometimes the cameras are still rolling and oh, as right. well as the dialogue we had they saw the chemistry that we had we were flirting with each other and of course we had a we had a lot in common and flirting with you well, no, yeah well, i probably was with you we're not that in you know no but you know we, it's just we realized we had similar backgrounds as well didn't we yeah. we come from a very strong irish you know london working class background yeah. uh and at times we're, we're both frail at times <laughs> uh, I think but everybody's uh, like that the business mm. i think you've got to be a pretty hard person not to have down times where you either doubt your own talent or you sort of think, you know, but, and, but then the press has changed over the years from when you both started. There wasn't the press intrusion, which there is now. Now you can get, you can't walk outside your front door. They'll have a picture of Jesse doing this and you think, well, where, well no, where, it where was, was really it? bad I then. Thought, I was going to ask you, Steve, I thought it was worse back then. It was, well, it was worse yeah. back then, especially with the... The hacking. The hacking. Yeah. Because, oh, well, it's out hack? there anyway. Yeah. We didn't speak for five years over that. <gasps> Yeah, no, we fell out because there we was fell a time. Out over it because where... I thought he was sending stories on me. He thought I was sending stories on him because oh. he was both everything. It was the intrusion. It was awful at the time. It was it was really horrible. I mean, being in the press like every day, and it just escalated and it just got out of control to the point where I just took it on the chin every day. <clears throat> so it was a lot worse then.
Well, there you go. You can hear more of that facet and also some revelations for Jesse Wallace, uh, which you'll hear on the programme on Sunday. John Krasinski, Jesse Wallace, Shane Ritchie. Really, really good week. I, d- I don't say that lightly. It really is a very good week. John on absolutely fine form. We talk about his wife. We talk about, you know, the uh, the competitiveness between the two of them. Uh, but such a very grounded person. And Jesse, who was suffering with a terrible cold the other day, but I think uh, you'll agree we managed to get through it very well. And Shane Ritchie, who listens to this programme as he's going into EastEnders, but they're rehearsing at the moment. They're going to be on stage together. It's nothing to do with EastEnders. This is completely separate. It's uh, it's all about murder, which I'm sure you will enjoy. There's another story in the uh, in the papers today, which which resonates with this programme because we were talking about uh, Daniel Young. Daniel Young was stabbed to death on his way to work. It appeared to be a completely motiveless attack but anyway crooks have set up a fake fundraising page for him the gofundme appeal to pay daniel young's funeral costs has already reached 580 pounds but murder police are urging people stop paying money into it it's been set up by a friend but the family's never heard of them daniel was knifed to death in this random attack as he took a shortcut to a tube station on tuesday morning they think it could be linked to a stabbing Nearby in Morden, minutes earlier, Dan's brother Simon paid tribute to his inspirational big bro, posted a picture of them competing together. And uh, a man was being quizzed last night, a 26-year-old arrested on Wednesday, was bailed. So if you see this GoFundMe, this is, it's nothing to do with them. And the police have said, do not pay anything into it. So that's my advice to you. Do not pay anything into it. One of the girls out of the Strictly Come Dancing, she managed to... um, Find yourself a boyfriend on the show, and apparently they're moving in together. My God, honestly. We're just full of sort of loose, moral people now on these television programmes. all they talk about, isn't it? Their relationships. You've gone to Big Brother? Relationships. Not, of course, for poor old Gemma Collins. There's no relationship in sight. And when she comes out of there, there's no relationship because he's gone back to prison again. I do like the pictures of the wreck of the World War I submarine. They say it's in, uh, in very good condition. Well, they say actually remarkable condition. Would there be anybody on it? Still, I know that it seems a really stupid question, but if a submarine goes down and this this U-boat 55 miles off East Anglia, I think it's been officially identified. It was a 31 man submarine. Uh, They think it struck a mine. But I mean, so obviously people died on it. But would they still be in it? They can't do anything. They, they obviously can't bring it up because it's a war grave. It's it's official. It's a war grave. You can't do anything about it. But I just wondered if people would still be on it. I often wondered about the Titanic and whether or not there are still people who would have been trapped in their cabins that couldn't get up on deck. I mean, I really don't know. I only ask that question because I've been fascinated by the uh, by the Titanic for years and years and years. And I can't find this blooming story from Brighton. It's not good, is it? It's not good. There's a picture, and it's a horrible picture, actually. You won't like it if you're a... If you're an animal lover, irrespective of where they're going. But this is uh, a farm worker who allegedly killed 72 piglets by jumping on them. He's one of two men being investigated by police after footage of their cruel prank was posted on WhatsApp. In the distressing video, the man leaps into the air like a, like a pop star, uh, crowd surfing before landing on the piglets. And um, he then repeats his callous act two more times. Investigators say 19 piglets were killed instantly. 53 died later from crush injuries. It's alleged the workers, one from Spain and the other from Lithuania, carried out the attack while the piglets... Uh, were being moved to a new pen. Absolutely dreadful. Uh, they're likely to be charged under animal mistreatment laws. Thank God for that. 19 and 20 years old. Makes you wonder, doesn't it, the sanity of some people and, and how anybody could ever do that. I mean, you yeah, know, we thought it was 
We thought it was bad enough when you get somebody who squashed an insect and then goes around slashing people's tyres, which we don't quite understand about, and then claiming to be Buddhist. Then you get people jumping on piglets as if they're, if they're this crowd surfing, which you see. It's, uh, it's really not right, is it? I think people need to take a responsibility for themselves. Uh, Danny Dyer is ever, he's definitely putting on weight, isn't he? Last time I looked at Danny Dyer, which I think would have been at the National Television Awards, he definitely, definitely was putting on, uh, putting on weight. Uh, police who shot terrorists dead are sued by families. Relatives of two terrorist suspects shot dead are suing the French police. Hilarious. Um, they say they were unarmed. They were terrorists. <laughs> Hello? I really don't think there's any point in even pursuing that. It's in France anyway, so we don't need to worry about it too much. And now they're looking at the, uh, at the robots, which you can buy. And they're all out there. Meccano. Meccano is, is, is making a comeback. And they've, they've got a robot as well. But I remember having one a long time ago. I gave it to my producer, Sam, at the time. I brought it in. And he was actually much cleverer than I was because he managed to get this thing working properly. And this little robot, because I'd seen it on the Paul O'Grady show, and I said, they've got this robot. He gave away it as a, as a, as a present, as a prize to uh, somebody. I think it was a gift. And when you actually got this thing going, my God, considering it was only stood it's only about, uh, about 10 or 12 inches tall, it was remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. And when he got it going in the, in the office, I just sat down there and laughed. I thought it was the best thing I'd ever seen. And then kind of regretted giving it to him. But I thought, no, no, you never, never take things back, do you? Pat says, my lovely late husband had different coloured eyes on his passport. One, it said one eye green, one eye hazel. I don't know what my... I think I'm grey-green. I think I'm a bit dull and boring, I'm afraid, which is, uh, which is not good. Uh, 84850, uh, the lottery scandal. Richard Branson, remember, wanted to run it, said he was going to give all the money to good causes. You see, I mean, I, I'm sure that other people can probably run it better. I don't know. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. I just know that it takes ages to win anything nowadays, and I haven't. I haven't. Because... And it doesn't matter... It doesn't matter. I, I really don't. Uh, I really don't care about it. I just like the idea that somebody somewhere has got a ticket, and they uh, and they don't know that they've got thirty three billion pounds. News at six coming up very shortly on LBC. Uh, after which we'll go through the front pages of the papers for you. Uh, genuine or bad acting from Pip Schofield and Holly Willoughby, as if he'd really go to sleep with his head on her bottom. Please, God, not. Uh, the new Cold War, Putin's fury after Britain says he did order the spy's murder. This is Litvinenko. The migrant homes will go to flood victims. Where was Pamela Stevenson when Billy Connolly was getting his award? The Buddhist monk, so-called, who goes on a tyre-slashing frenzy. The BBC hid the DJ sex with girl 15. They reckon there could be more who have managed to slip under the wire. Uh, £14,000, the Quiz Whiz Kid, which is great, and the used Ferrari. £2.75 million, an absolute bargain. It's like this programme, LBC. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's coming up to five past six. It's Friday, the 22nd of January. It has dragged, hasn't it, this month? You would agree with me that if you're finding a bit of a financial squeeze, you can't wait till you get paid. But then you've got those blooming bills that have come in from over Christmas. Uh, this morning, it's Putin, his fury 
after Britain says he did order the spy's murder. This is Litvinenko. The migrant homes, which will go to the flood victims. Facing jail, the woman who said her dog was uh, attacking somebody as it doesn't like Muslims. Can't believe in this day and age, can you? Uh, where was Pamela Stevenson when Billy Connolly was getting his award the other day? No mention of it in his speech either. And 33 million quid could be yours if you live in Worcester, because that's where the ticket was bought. And how a hungry Venus flytrap counts to five. Plus, I think I found this story. I think, when I say I think I found this story, this is the one about the, um, it's a shop that used to be owned by, I think, Theopophetus. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Thank you so much, everybody who sort of said, you need to look in this paper, you'll find it. And they say, dragon in sexism row of a model doing the laundry, doing the laundry in knickers. Okay, this is the story of a life-size cutout of a scantily dressed woman doing the laundry was no doubt intended to be good, clean fun. But as you know nowadays, people complain at the drop of a hat. So not everybody was amused by the window display in a lingerie store owned by former Dragon's Den star Theo Perfetus. After one critic called it outdated and demeaning to women, the store had to apologise. This is called Boo Avenue. It says it will remove the display from the shop in Brighton and it will not be repeated across the chain of 28 stores. It featured, I mean, well, decide for yourself whether you think this is offensive or not. It featured a cutout of a woman in pink knickers. I mean, honestly, in this weather, really, pink knickers, I don't think so. A vest top and high heels standing next to three pink washing machines and a pink laundry basket. A framed image in the background shows a similar scene. Student Sarah Darby complained, saying, I understand sex sells, but this window display is a picture of woman being sexualised domestically. You just, I mean, why? Uh, really, honestly. They seem to be saying that to be sexy, you need to be able to do the laundry. Really? I thought they were just putting an attractive woman next to a washing machine. I mean, perhaps I'm seeing it in its simplest form. Perhaps I, I don't really see what, bless her heart, Sarah Darby does. She says, it isn't about being prudish, but sexuality shouldn't be linked with domesticity. Oh, really, don't be so silly. Of course it should be. Absolutely. I mean, heavens above, we all do the washing in pink knickers and a little... I just think it's a cutout of a woman and it's just... It's selling a sexy image. I hope to God she's not frumpy. I'd, be, I'd feel a bit guilty if she was a really frumpy person who didn't look at all like this model here. Uh, other shoppers questioned, though, whether or not the, uh, the display was causing any real harm. Uh, Sarah went on. She, she wrote to the company. And she uh, asked why it had not chosen to display attractive women in the House of Commons laboratories or succeeding at sport. She added, wait, I mean, she's obviously got time on her hands, that the display undermines the respectable and admirable academic, scientific and physical achievements of women. Oh, God, you can imagine, can't you? She probably goes on rallies or something like that. One woman said, I think there are probably more important things to get offended by than this. Surely people will be just offended if they advertise their frilly knickers with MPs in front of the House of Commons. I agree, actually. A Boo Avenue spokesman said, we attempted to create fun and engaging window displays, but uh, we could see how this concept could be misinterpreted, certainly by poor old Miss Darby, who obviously must write to just about everybody nowadays, I should imagine. She's probably one of these prolific writers. But uh, it's only one person complained. Nobody else has complained. One person complains about it. And you start thinking to yourself, I mean, surely there's better things to do, isn't there? And go past you and go, I think that demeans women. Why not show... Because they were showing an attractive woman standing by a washing machine. Why do you have to see 
you know, something that isn't there, you know, unless it's in your own mind. But as I say, she's uh, she's had her little bit of fame. I've noticed there's no pictures of her in the papers at all. I was hoping desperately to find some, but uh, but there weren't any. Um, so uh, the main story of the papers today is the new Cold War, Putin's fury after Britain says he did order the spy's murder. Now, I don't know because I wasn't there. I don't know how it operates in Russia. I don't know if they say we need to take somebody out. Uh, then that has to get the approval of the president. I really don't know. I really don't know. There are stranger things happening in Russia than probably any of us will ever, ever understand. They say as well that there were two attempts on Litvinenko's uh, life. The first one failed, and so they went for the second one when he was having uh, a pot of tea. And in the pot of tea goes this uh, this stuff, and then they've sort of they they they've literally sort of detailed every single thing that happened that day, and they tracked him throughout London. He was, uh, he, wherever he went, they managed to find traces uh, of him. And so, consequently, when he became ill, it was then that they suddenly realised, and then they look back at the CCTV pictures, and they find these two men, who apparently are walking around quite happily, quite free in Russia, who they claim were the people who perpetrated the crime. And it's, it's just awful, because now you've got Litvinenko's son. His mother was very vocal the other day, very vocal. Uh, the son is very vocal as well, his son, who was 12, I think, when his uh, when his dad died. And it must have been the most awful death. All you'll see in the paper today are the images of Mr Litvinenko lying in his hospital bed with no hair and, uh, and looking as if he was on his last legs, which, of course, he was on his last legs. Because if they want to take somebody out, I'm assuming, they just do it. And they manage to do this through a, through a teapot. It's, it's grim reading. It's grim reading. All the, all the, the ex-wife wants is, um, is answers. I think answers for her, answers for her son as well. Jeremy Kyle makes the mirror today. Uh, my love split, my kids have saved me. This is uh, Jeremy Kyle who runs a programme which is designed for us to laugh at people whose marriages have split up, whose uh, husband, wife, children are cheating, whose mothers run off with the local milkman, anything like that. That's what we look at. You don't ever think, oh, the Jeremy Kyle show, that's class. All you think is, I hope their tattoos are spelt correctly. That's the only thing you ever think about when you watch the Jeremy Kyle show. So, of course, when it turns out that his wife's been cheating with a, with a very handsome polo player because she went for, um, so for lessons, uh, the polo player then said that he slept with her up to 20 times. Uh, Jeremy Kyle, this only came out because Jeremy Kyle admitted on his programme that he hadn't had sex for a while. You'll remember that the wife was a contestant on a radio programme that he did, and it was a quiz, and she won the quiz, and then he went out with her, and the rest, as they say, is history. But he says, it's kids and work that keep me going. I still maintain, put the wife onto a lie detector test. I mean, make it enter, come on, bring it into the, you know, if, if it was a sort of an amicable split, bring it into the, into the public domain. You might as well, you're talking about it. Doesn't make any difference. He's got three, three children, uh, four, actually, I just remember, because his first marriage... Uh, produced a daughter, Harriet, who's now 25. But uh, he was at the National Television Awards. I don't know if he was nominated. I can't, I can't remember. But uh, either way, it's a bit difficult now. He says that the wife's left me, but I'm too old for dating sites. And that's at the age of 50. Isn't it amazing how people think at the age of... That's it, you can't date anymore. Whereas, in fact, there are people who find love in their 90s. We see stories in the papers, don't we, of people in their 90s who have found love and it's somebody that they went out with before. bit difficult if you're in the public domain. I understand his sort of problem. You know, if you are Jeremy Kyle, can you imagine going onto a dating website and somebody going, I don't believe this, Jeremy Kyle's on the dating site. Jeremy Kyle's on Tinder. I mean, I should imagine he must have a circle of friends. There must be somebody who looks fairly eligible. I mean, let's face it, Paul, Paul McKenna 
had done the rounds for a long while and then managed to find love. And it was on his own doorstep. It was his own assistant who ticked all the boxes. And finally admitted that, yes, she was in love with it. Must have been really frustrating, mustn't it? I always think it's like Peter Andre's agent. I always think that she really fancies him. I think she really fancies I watched a documentary where they went away to film his calendar, and it was all a bit cheesy. It was sort of typical Peter Andre's. And, um, and she was there, and she was, you know, he'd had his shirt off, and you could see her going, oh, God. <laughs> of course, the funniest thing to me was where they had to sort of get a sock out. Anyway, it's another story, isn't it? I suppose. I suppose. Um... Girls scalded on hot flight. I'm amazed. These uh, don't make even more headlines because this is a girl of 11 who needed a skin graft after hot chocolate spilled on her during a holiday flight. She was holding the drink when the plane hit turbulence. Her mother, Helena, claimed the lid was not on correctly. And uh, now they've got um, uh, lawyers on this one. Because you think, I mean, I can understand that. Have you been on planes where they've hit turbulence? I always find that really quite difficult. You're hanging on to it. You're sort of, you're doing the balancing act. I had a, had a whole tomato juice dropped on me as the stewardess, because I always used to drink, don't ask me why, I'm obviously not well, a tomato juice on a flight, because I, I didn't do alcohol on flights, I only did it uh, at home, uh, or in pubs, or in restaurants, or in just about anywhere. And so I have, always have tomato juice on flights, I like it. Not with the vodka or anything else, just plain tomato juice, no added extras, nothing. If there's a bit of cucumber, no, not cucumber, if there's a bit of uh, celery going, I'll have that, but just normally that, with some ice in it, and that keeps me happy. And as she passed it over to me on the tray, they never hold it, they always put it on the tray and pass it over, and as she passed it over, we hit turbulence. Just at that moment, the plane dropped, it went over me, and she went, I knew she didn't lie to me. She said, oh, I'm most awfully sorry. And then just sort of offered me tissues to mop it all up with. Well, I've no idea, have you? Tomato juice everywhere. It's not the most pleasant of things. Uh, quick time check for you, being this Friday morning and being the fact that it's the weekend and being the fact that we, uh, we think we're going to put a smile on your face uh, today. Not sure about halogen, says Phil Vickery. Oh, you should try it. Honestly, I promise you. It's my, my friend Phil, Will, just telling you that. He's coming in to co-host. <laughs> my boss said to me yesterday, he said, oh, Steve, he said, uh, he said, Phil Vickery loves you. I said, I said, well, I think so. I said, I think I think there are actually three in their marriage. There's me, Fern and Phil. That's the way I'm looking at it. You try halogen. I promise you, you won't. It's, it's only cheap. You can do it quite quickly for a few few sausages on the programme. But uh, did the mushy peas come from this programme from yesterday? Was that yesterday? Quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Couldn't get out of the studio quick enough. Did you see that? That's the fastest I've seen you move. Bless. Thank you. Nice to be covered. Bye. Sorry. I have to catch up when people hear. I'm just showing a friend of mine an album, the parody album, and he said there's a follow-up to it as well. So he's going to bring me one in tomorrow. Anyway, so uh, it's Friday. I, don't, I, don't, I really don't care today. I'm in such a good mood. I think it's quite nice to have good moods every so often. I've, I've, I've had a good mood for a long time, but uh, yesterday and today... A particularly good moods, and then I'm in a particularly good mood because it turns out I've got a few more quid left in the bank than I thought I had. So I can go out and buy flannels today. I am going to have fish and chips tonight, but I'm not having mushy peas. I've decided. And um, what am I? What am I buying the producer as a present? Well, you can have one of these these chocolates in here if you want. You want one of those chocolates? Have one of those. I was I was going to bring the boss in a present this morning, and then I thought because he gets oranges, I leave him satsumas, and. Um, 
and uh, he's, he's, he's started getting used to them now. So I'm kind of stuck with him because I used to bring them in for somebody else, our weatherman, Chris. And, uh, and then Chris uh, sort of retired, and so the boss gets them. And, of course, it's, they're very healthy. But we went through a phase of having some other satsumas which weren't as easy to peel as we thought they were. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. It just means that, uh, suffice to say, I'm having a very nice time. Thank you very much indeed for asking. And because it's the weekend, I don't care that it's going to rain tomorrow. I'm really not bothered. So he likes your haircut. He thought your haircut was very... T- t- take, the, take the tray. Take the tray. Seriously. Really? All right. Going to that old one again, are we? Trying to palm them off on chocolates and it's just not working. Not working at all. So having, having a nice day is actually a good start to a Friday. I know it's not good for you if you're getting up now and thinking, it's all right for you, you're just about to finish. We've got to get on a train, go into town. It's going to absolutely tip down later on, which doesn't bother me. But I've only just realised that my big thick coat, which I bought... Some time ago, a little bit of a treat. I mean, it's not a, not a particularly flash coat. It's just a just a bit of a coat where it fits and it's padded. I've just realised that the furry ho- hood comes off. The hood actually comes off this thing. I'm really pleased about that. I didn't know. It's got a zip that runs round there so it, it can turn itself into a different coat. Because I put the hood on once and I look ridiculous. I look like something out of South Park at my age. Honestly, 39 plus that. Daily Mirror. Uh, the national disgrace. I'm amazed I know what South Park is as well. I only know that because I thought it looked like the Gallaghers in their little parkers. And that's what I thought it was, South Parker. And so I've got one as well because I don't look like that. I look a bit silly. But when I put the hood up, I look even more ridiculous. Uh, the proud industry. Decimated with thousands facing the dole, say the Daily Mirror. And what is the Tory plan? Build Royal Navy ships with foreign steel. The ultimate betrayal. It's, uh, we, we're going back to the Daily Mirror is a, is a Labour paper. And we're going back to the Sun is a supporter of the Conservative Party. So they've got... <coughs> are they yin trouble? And this is the big yin. This is Billy Connolly and Pamela Stevenson. Love Pamela. She's been on a couple of times for my In Conversation programme. I mean, really, she's, um, she's really super. And I don't know if there's any problems. I know that he's not been very well. Perhaps that, you know, tears people apart. You're trying to come to terms with it. She's very busy. He's very busy. They, I should imagine, only get together on certain occasions. And it's not easy to carry on a relationship like that, is it? Uh, but he didn't mention her during his speech. Now, whether or not he forgot, I don't know. But they are, you know, they are saying, oh, they've not been seen together since April. Who knows? They might have, you know, it might be a terribly difficult thing for both of them to face up to what he's actually going through. And so that can, you know, that can drive people apart, you know, unintentionally. Other people will tell you exactly the same. Uh, The Savile Report, shocking claim. The BBC hid the DJ sex with a girl of 15. They were desperate to cover up claims. A girl of 15 was seduced by one of their top DJs. This uh, dancer on top of the pops. When I say she was a dancer on top of the pops, she was one of the kids roped in who came in and they just get shunted around the studio, but they had to dance in front of each of the groups. So they found themselves dancing to all sorts of weird things. But um, she killed herself weeks after the alleged sexual encounter. But now the review into Jimmy Savile's offending has been made public, and you can read about it in the paper today. I mean, he was operating. They must have known what was going It's just not physically possible for somebody to do what he was doing, and doing it all over the place, not just at the BBC. He was doing it everywhere. He was doing everything. I was just amazed at the at the trust that seemed to have been bestowed on him. I always found him quite odious, but that's neither here nor there. I didn't actually ever meet him. Never. He did phone me once. 
He did phone years ago. I thought he sounded drunk. Now, in those days, it could have been anybody. could have been anybody putting on a voice. Everybody used to do Jimmy Savile impersonations, didn't they? Uh, the Express today, the new Cold War. Putin's fury after Britain says he did order Litvinenko's murder. Also, the doctors find a simple way to destroy cancer cells. Uh, Phil and Holly's this morning after their wild night before. Both wearing the same clothes. But uh, again, I'm not... I'm put it say, if she'd really had that bad a night... Why did she look so fresh in the face? Because presumably they'd both been to bed and they decided to sort of put some old wine glasses out and some Alka-Seltzer, other brands are available, and uh, and thus garner themselves even more publicity that they, you know, had a night on the tiles out on the lash. They're way too old for that. They've both got children. Philip Schofield's, you know, they're t- I think they're taller than he is. Much taller. And um, and so it's it, is it a set-up? It does look as though there's some posed pictures here. That's, that's what it looks like to me. And they had pictures of them doing shots with Ryland Clark, who obviously couldn't be bothered to dress up for the television awards, just as well he never won anything, I suppose. Front page of the Mail, the woman who says she's Britain's most put-upon mother. I don't know why she's Britain's most put-upon mother. I couldn't, I couldn't quite work it out. And so I'm quickly trying to find why should we put-upon... They have had stories here... Um, of people, you know, we had that uh, that ridiculous woman who went into Big Brother, who claimed that she was way too attractive, you know, to go out and all. That. And it turned out she was actually the plainest person you've ever seen. It was a bit of a ridiculous thing. But uh, this is a woman caught between elderly relatives, a lazy husband, and children who won't fly the nest. Am I Britain's most put-upon mother? No, no, you're not at all. Not at all. There's loads of people in completely uh, different situations and probably just as put-upon as you are. So that's the front pages of the of the popular press, the Metro. Do the nuclear fallout, Russia and Britain clashing over the poison death. Not the first time somebody's been murdered on the streets of this country and it's been put down to uh, to Russian agents. Uh, Putin, they've said, did definitely have the spy executed. That's the front of the Daily Star. They're more interested in Holly and Phil's all-night tequila romp. You know, which, I mean, if they'd really been on the lash like that, they wouldn't have been in a fit state to do anything at all. So there's a posed picture. And also, why would they have glasses in front of them in the studio? You wouldn't have that. It's a setup. Uh, Nick Grimshaw says, let me in the Big Brother house. Uh, yes, I, I think as far away as possible. We've seen his uh, his television presenting skills and they're lame Lame, lame, lame. Think big, say the Times. Think very big. Your brain can store 4.7 billion books. If only. If only. Russia in the frame for a string of murders. Comes as no surprise to anybody here. And they've got two people. Uh, Dmitry, uh, who, uh, Dmitry Kovtun and Andrei Lugovay, who've been named as the killers of Mr Litvinenko. They remain as free men in Russia. They might be agents. I don't know. I don't know sufficiently what goes on over there. I know that, you know, there are certain things that go on that you kind of think, I don't really want to know about that. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Heritage Refresh, making Wedgwood and Waterford cool again. Uh, Wedgwood went through a NAF phase. Waterford, Crystal and Glass, they're trying to make it all popular, and I suppose they would. And the red button that Corbyn will not press. Also, murders rise amid police sex probes. The murder rate has risen in England and Wales. Uh, The Independent, Moscow rages at Kremlin killing verdict. Uh, Putin says this inquiry probably authorised the murder of Alexander Litvinenko. Is that how it would work? Is that how it would work over there? I'm not too sure if it would, actually. I'm not too sure if it would. Just about it for this morning. Thank you very much indeed for your uh, for your time. We've had a, had a jolly little programme. You will join me Sunday morning because I promise you, In Conversation is going to be... It's a, it's a real cracker this week. It really is. It's a, it's a lovely In Conversation. Uh, not least because everybody was on fine form. And I mean everybody was on fine form. It's a new studio we're recording in. So if you think it sounds... It sounds as though we're on location. 
But I promise you we're not on location, but it sounds like we're on location. But they were both filmed. Both interviews were filmed, so you'll be able to see them, hopefully, up on the LBC website. Uh, just time for me to say you can follow me on Twitter, which is at Steve Allen Show. I'm back with you tomorrow morning, Saturday, as the rain and the heavens open and we all get drenched for the best of this week. And that's between five and seven. Here on Sunday morning, five to six is in conversation. It'll set you up for the day. I promise you, set you up for the day, ladies and gentlemen and boys and girls. And I'm here live between six and eight. Thank you for your texts and your emails. I think we read everything out this morning, which is a bit of an achievement for us. And uh, thanks to everybody who uh, who contributed to the programme. Wish you a pleasant weekend. Wrap up if you're up north. If you're down south, it'll be bikini weather, I promise you. And don't forget, you can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. Download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet and never ever miss a moment. Nick Ferrari is leading Britain's conversation at seven for breakfast, but right now, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This is LBC.